if Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Ah, the Blubbity Blah. The Sending out good vibes. human anthropomorphic perspective how do we contend with um the idea of there being other beings intelligent beings universe and how does that impact how we understand our christian beliefs okay guys welcome back to the grand america show we are going to be chatting with joel parkin a little bit later about exotheology all sorts of cool fun stuff like that and uh, we're going to throw our little, we did a little YouTube. We did our, you know, it was probably the first time, aside from some of the Rockfin stuff we've done, that we've done a YouTube that was like a real YouTube. We had some videos playing and we had some scrolling stuff in the background, selling some stuff. So we did that, of course, because uh, we have people from all over the country sending us videos and and pictures from Grimericans literally from coast to coast involved in different uh, versions of the of the movement that seems to have overtaken the country right now that started out, of course, as the Freedom Convoy, uh, which, like I was saying to Graham, off air, regardless of what you think of that or where it started, I, I kind of think it's a, an organic thing personally. But even if it's not, it's become an organic thing. And I can attest to that due to the fact that I have uh, family members that are participating in the convoy, uh, and not in the main convoy in Ottawa, but but in some of the other convoys that they're not even telling you guys about. Like uh, there's currently the city of Edmonton, Alberta, is in complete gridlock with the convoy, at least it was yesterday. I haven't looked, checked in on it again yet today. Uh, the Alberta Coots border crossing into Sweetgrass, Montana, is bunged up on both sides with... Uh, hundreds of trucks and uh, getting pretty well uh, to the point that the local RCMP had to issue a travel advisory saying not to go that way because it's fucked. Uh, I got word that they have set up a stage and are bringing in entertainment last night. So um, it'll be hard to get those guys out of there. Tables and chairs and goods and people, people are donating goods. And And the beauty is the weather here is great. Right. I feel bad for those fuckers in Ottawa. Here, the weather's not bad. It's like, uh, it's supposed to snow, but up till now, it's been like zero degrees. And like Graham said, people are feeding these guys. You see pictures all the way. People are just handing the trucks sack lunches as as they drive by. Um, we got the Hutterites on board feeding people. And it's uh, it's something else. And it's it really is truly a coast-to-coast thing. I think we got our buddy in Victoria who said there was 10,000 people at that one yesterday that he attended, he actually made the paper with his bubbles. Uh, shout out to Daz. And of course, um, uh, our, our friend of the show, Brady, was at the Calgary one. And there was, uh, you know, 10,000 strong there as well. And we have several shout out to Kyle and Innerlad and um, who else? Lou. Hi. Lou is in uh, Ottawa right now. 
So I think there's four or five Grand Americans in, in Ottawa sending pictures, having a time, partying it up. Um, so, yeah. And then there was a Saskatchewan convoy to Regina yesterday. I seen some pictures of that. My sister was in the convoy down by the Emerson border, which was completely shut down. And uh, the reason I bring that up is because the Canadian media is not talking about that at all. I mean, if I want to know about the Edmonton convoy, I literally have to go to Twitter and type Edmonton convoy into it so that I can see the people that are at the event, event sending pictures and stuff from it. Because, um, I mean, we've got what is close to a mainstream media blackout on most of the stuff as you can. They have kind of started to turn the tied a little bit on the Ottawa one because it's sort of hard to ignore. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks here in Canada. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I think it's not, it's not really funded or organized from external sources. Well, for one thing, it felt organic from the beginning. And I donate it. So, I mean, and I've been, you know, I'm a, a registered Indian, not a white supremacist, not a white nationalist. I don't even know if I'm a nationalist. <laughs> Um, for any country, but I, I, you know, I gave them some of my money because I can't go to Ottawa. Uh, so that's what I can't Well, the do. media, the media has got to stop lying. I mean, it, it literally is just lying and making stuff up. And I mean, let's, we'll see if they get infiltrated and, uh, there's some people sort of chasing around some Antifa looking types there. We'll see what happens. But I mean, obviously they're going to have their own people that there to co- cause problems, take some pictures, get some headlines, the whole fucking but they've got, but the the truckers in this whole rally have a plan to deal with those people, you know, and to not let that fucking get it get out of control. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I'm but, now, now I'm starting to hear chats of because they have so much funding, um, that like once they get what they want in Ottawa, they're heading to Quebec because Quebec has the worst restrictions in Canada. So I don't know where they'll go after that. I would assume Toronto. But uh, it seems like something the governments have got to start paying attention to. When when media from all over the world are paying attention to it, it gets harder to ignore. I mean, that's a funny thing. I mean, the headlines that are the UK. This is getting this is getting spread through like small means, right? It's people spreading word amongst themselves. Uh, I mean, there's sure sure there's some YouTube streams going on, but there's not a ton of traffic there. But it's not through me. I don't even think. People are doing it through Facebook. But, I mean, if you have to go on to Twitter, like, do you think Twitter will shut this down eventually? I don't think they can. I mean, I mean you can see them actively. People. Yesterday they had I Stand with Trudeau uh, trending with, like, 6,000 tweets, and then you can't even see the other ones out of hundreds and hundreds of thousands. But they pop up once in a while because it seems like they just can't. It's too big to keep a lid on. And it's and it's and like you said, it's all over the world now too. It seems like people are, you know. Yeah, and I can't speak to any of the other ones, so yeah. I only know people that are actively participating in this one. And it's going to be interesting. I mean, yep, I feel and- like right now Trudeau's got to be considering resigning. I mean, it's got to be weird to have the entire country. Hey, want you out? You know, I would just like. I have friends that are still Trudeau fans. They oh, yeah, Trudeau. but I mean, they it's enough. They, I mean, they, they it, like the mandates. They like the socialism. They like Trudeau. It's enough they, to I be mean, the most hated prime minister in history. Yeah, it does show you that the elections are fucked, too, right? I mean, he's getting in and he's got 60, 70 percent dead against him. 
Well, I think, man, yeah, I don't know. Maybe some stuff has shifted since the election or. Oh, yeah, know. of course. People are waking up, man. The narrative is falling apart. It's just how long they can hold on to it. How for. long I mean, was the election? Five months, Scott, four months? Yeah. Scott Moe uh, from Saskatchewan came out and, and sort of uh, wrote a letter. I think it's an official letter. I mean, I haven't seen it on his website. I just got a copy from a trusted friend. But, you know, and he's he's he wants to back off all the mandates, too. Right. He says they've run their course. So I've seen it on be... his his thing. Oh, did you? Yeah. OK, yeah. good, good. Yeah, so he's, see, he seems like he's going to be the first guy to back off. And I think that's because he sees a political opportunity here. He sees the wins, that that the political winds have shifted and probably sees a unique opportunity to maybe advance his career, to be perfectly honest. Probably what it's about. But if you're yeah. paying attention, it's pretty hard to ignore when the country's, you know, as rallied up as they, you know, the next best thing to this. Well, not the next best thing because it was bigger. But uh, this would probably be the next best thing to, to to Terry Fox in Canadian history. Oh, this is way way bigger than that. I'm pretty. Sure. I don't think it's. But bigger that than had Terry all Fox. the full no, no, mainstream it's not, support it's not and everything. Bigger right? than Terry Fox. That's. Uh, you don't think so? No. If you go back and oh, look yeah. at the pictures, then when Terry Fox ran by, people were going out running with them, and yeah, but this is everybody. Going, yeah, but this is like everybody going into Ottawa. Not, yeah, that's the, it's for. I don't think like people would follow him for legs. My but kids, they didn't all my go kids, still do a Terry Fox run, bro. I think yeah, it'd yeah, be no, extremely I'm hubristic. I'm not saying it wasn't big. I just think to this say is, that this is, is totally bigger than different. Terry Fox. It's yeah. different. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. Terry Fox and probably coming home from the first two world wars are the only thing that were comparison. And those are different because those are positive things. This, this has a positive, positive. spin. I mean, this is, this is a positive spin, but it's in it's against things. This is the first time yeah, we've yeah. ever been rallied up enough against something. We're pretty but hard to get riled up. You can see the difference between the live footage from Ottawa and they're actually just dancing and partying and yell, like yelling and screaming in a positive way. They're happy. They're cheering for their freedom as opposed to like what's happened in the States in the past with, you know, these other groups that are, you can tell that they're, you know, supported by the media, all these non nonviolent protests where they're burning shit down. I mean, it's, it's like, there's the difference is night and day. The Canadian, those Americans are a little crazy too. No, it's not that. A little bit. No, dude. It's all, bit. They're all fucking. If there was fucking all, ten times as many of us, if there was ten times as many of us, we'd have issues too. It just adds more crazies into the mix. It's like that one Nazi flag. If he's not a paid guy, if he's just a, because I mean, I'm sure there's crazy assholes. What what flag I know was it? It was a swastika, was straight up. One flag. I've seen one. Yeah. Huh. And it could have totally been a a, a, yeah, a plant, seen, like you said. I haven't seen one yet. I saw one. Uh, what's that American one? <laughs> the Duke's of Hazard one. What's that? Oh, the one? Confederate flag. Oh, I saw one of those. That's it. I've seen a I few mean, of those, you know, and a bunch of fuck trudeos. I mean, that's and like, all the fucking media needs to do is take one picture of one of those flags, and they've oh, got yeah. their fucking headline. They've got their fear porn. It's disgusting. The lie. I know. If you're so, what would you do if you're there? Would you go be like, get the fuck out of here, bro? Uh, it's a tough call, know. right? Do you approach but, the guy? Yeah, I don't know. Because you know it's ruining everything, right? You know. When you're there and you see that. I you mean, know it's bad news. I know. But Even then, if it's a plant, you, know, you could go chase him out of there. I know, but then. But you then know, if like, it turns into a fight, you've ruined it worse. You've made it worse yeah. if it instigates to violence. Plus, if you're about freedom, when do you, when, who do, well, who do you say it. can't, you know, if yeah. you're about freedom, who do you who say decides can't who do can what be they free want. or not? You can't, but it's I best to just shun. 
Yeah, shun and ridicule, you know? And ridicule. Get out of here, buddy. Just Bring get your buddies over there, there point and laugh at them. <laughs> Crazy Nazi. Anyway, I mean, there's uh, tons of indigenous there doing indigenous dances, and they're not really showing you the uh, the Every Child Matters flags, which are extremely prevalent as well. The orange shirt movement is pretty prevalent there. I mean, I, if I could go there, I would. If I could jump on a plane and go down there for a couple of days, that's such a long drive. The drive from here to Ottawa is about 44 hours, I think. It's got to be as far from here to the border of Ontario, from the border of Ontario to the to Ottawa. No, it's farther. It's farther from the border it's, of Ontario to Ottawa. Yeah, I mean Ontario is just so long when you go when you have to cut down towards Ottawa. There, let's see, unbelievable where. drive. So Anyways, it would, it's going to tell um, me to go through the states, probably. There, there looks like there's going to be. Uh, it looks like we were talking about how we can't really get a, a good number of people, but I would say there's a million people. If I was to guess it, I would say there's a hundred thousand trucks, hundred twenty thousand trucks. That's I heard that's what a couple of the different cops said, like the OPP and the RCMP. Um, yeah, that's, trucks coming from the north, from the south too, and the east, and the west, and the north. I mean, they're still arriving, and it's sun. It's Sunday. This is recorded on Sunday, January thirtieth. They kind of started to arrive Friday night, Saturday morning. The main thing was yesterday, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, and now there's they're sticking around. Hopefully, until I mean the memes about Justin is hilarious. Missing on the milk carton, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I think that he's, he's like, got to resign, man. The party's got to want him out, even at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, when does this not become a good political? It, decision it's going to destroy the brand. He's destroying the yeah. Liberal Party brand right now. Yeah, and hiding isn't sacrifice. helping. Be sacrificed. Hiding isn't helping. <laughs> He's going to be sacrificed. I mean, if this goes down the way it looks like it's going to go down, then it was worth losing the election. Yeah. Because yeah. this is just great. Yeah. It's great. And I mean, it's great already. Just when I read like some of the foreign headlines, like the UK, uh, whatever, there's like Justin Trudeau forced into hiding <laughs> <laughs> from small fringe minority. I know, and, and he wasn't though, right? I mean, that's the thing. And he had to say those things, right? Unacceptable views. Like, did you not see? That was after I was there on the like a hundred kilometers east of Calgary with hundreds of cars in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, here's the thing that I will say in his defense on the into hiding thing is that uh, Canada does not have the means to keep the lid on it. Is the problem. Like Whereas, the, like, you and like I know it's positive. Do, right? It's chill. Yeah. The States has the National Guard and yada, yada, yada. If fucking Ottawa goes south, they can't stop it. They literally can't stop it because oh, don't they got people. Yourself, it's going to take fucking a day to get people in secret weapons. They got secret weapons. What kind of secret like, weapons? Give me like, an example. Fucking audio shit, like uh, directed energy stuff, audio the stuff. The Canadian like government has directed energy of weapons? Of course, dude. They got all kinds of shit in Ottawa there. If they Directed energy weapons. They're going to take out the whole city with directed energy weapons. They can't no, no, stop it. If that audio, crowd goes nuts, they can't stop it. They've got non-lethal weapons, dude. But not to deploy against 100,000 people even. Of course they do. You think so? Oh, yeah. Yeah, don't 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 kid yourself. They're, they're I'm not kidding myself. Think. I think you're kidding yourself. Yeah, I think well, you're completely we'll kidding yourself. But I but you've got a standing military of twenty thousand that's yeah. stretched out across a country that's nine thousand kilometers wide. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you still have your point is still well taken about them. Like it, it's not the same as the state. You don't even know the if same. the cops will listen at this that's point. A good, yeah, that's true. I mean, honestly, they've been cooperating with this thing the whole time. It's been that positive and that peaceful. Right. And, and they're making statements the that it's peaceful. Are working together, right? So if it pops off, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, I, I like it. Be, I don't think it would pop off, but. I don't think they can stop it if it. Well, pops they're going to try and pop it off themselves, right? This is we know that this is their playbook. Right? They're going to have these Antifa people out there making or whatever, whoever it is. Maybe it's not Antifa. Maybe it's their own paid truckers. It's probably George Soros is there. I think I seen a picture of him don't, looking out of a hotel don't even room bring window. Up his name, yeah. He was looking out a hotel room window. He had the curtain just peered open. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Might have been a meme. So interesting. Yeah. I know. And there's still some people that are skeptical about the whole thing, which is, uh, I, I saw somebody like, it's a distraction. I'm like, oh, fuck. It's a distraction from what? This is some, the, thank God people are standing up finally. We've been talking about this for two years, how we don't know what to do. We don't know how to stand up. We don't know how to fight against it. This seems to be the best thing to do. The only thing we can do as a country, as a nation, as a community, as a culture. Proud time to be a Canadian. I was crying. You're always crying, though. That don't count. <laughs> <laughs> You've cried multiple times already. Yeah, I have. When I watched the fucking video. It's too bad. It's See, gross. you should start recording this, and we can make a little compilation. Yeah, we'll play the national anthem doing. in the background. No, it's not that. It's not the patriot. It's not about the country and the patriotism. That's what's weird. It's about maybe because it's about for the coming two years together. We've been talking about this, and and all of a sudden people are actually standing up for it's about finding out you weren't alone. This whole thing. Yeah, that's, that could be it. It's just finding out. Wow, look at all these people. Like I was saying, a hundred kilometers east of Calgary, hundreds of cars, hundreds of people, families, every every type of person out there. And all the truckers, I meant to say this before, all the truckers before the convoy came, because of course we're on the highway. And the connect and the other street that turns into the 22X south of Calgary, truckers from all over were honking it as well. Like it wasn't just the convoy, but every truck that went by honked. Well, yeah, vaccinated or otherwise. That's yeah, the other thing well, is that people need to realize is that there's just as many people that are vaccinated in this movement as that aren't. I mean, I know people that were there that were double vaxxed. Yeah, I just don't agree with the bullshit. There's people there that yeah. are triple vax. I just don't agree with the bullshit. Enough is enough. Yeah. Anyway, what do you want to jump into? Does that count as your oppo? Should I play the jingle? Yeah, that's that's my oppo, like Operation Freedom Convoy. Operation Freedom Convoy. We might have to take the uh, other way when we go to Arizona now, though. I know. That's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it'd be fun to just go through it too, but it might add a long fucking. Yeah, I know. It's probably. On a 22-hour drive, we risk. don't need to add, like, five hours at the border. Yeah. be fun, though. We should maybe rip got- down next weekend. It's still going. How far is it from us? Fucking two hours and 45 minutes, probably. To that? To what's happening, then? Yeah. yeah. You oh, should go tomorrow. Oh, it's supposed to snow. Don't go tomorrow. Hmm. We don't want to lose you in the field. Yeah. On a field mission. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to be legally responsible. <laughs> yeah. I don't want the company to be legally responsible for Dun, your death. Dunlop's MIA. Yeah. 
So I got a, I got a quote, a couple, a long, pretty long quote, and I've got some great emails and email, sort of a follow-up from Eastern Europe. So I'd like to do the quote first, then the email, maybe. Quote, then email? Yeah. It's the profound quote of the week. Darren, can you guess it? Um, so this is, this is, this is from, um, this is from the book secret societies and subversive movements. And there's a oh, couple of quotes. A there's a couple of quotes within here. Is that okay if I read a couple? Well, I mean, you're doing it now, but I mean, it's really kind of like, this is, I guess, well, is this it is, a quote if it's written in a book? It's a quote of a, in the book. There's so, some quotes in the like book, a, right? So is that a different this is, thing? uh, well, I'm going to read because part of it is from the author as well, right? Too. Okay. So. I'll give but it's it sort you. of got to do with what's happening. I guess if right you now. wrote it, it's, it's a quote. Very, right. It's Operation Convoy Freedom as well in a lot of ways. So, so. A hundred years ago, Freedom Convoy? Were they on horses? And, and it's going back, it's talking about 80 years prior to that. So we're talking wow. about like early 1800s here. So they were on horses as so. carriages? Yeah, Freedom. I guess that was before Convoy was a. Was, I wonder when Convoy was an actual. Operation Freedom Death March. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I think Convoy was oh, from that. On, I think Convoy be... is from when you were in a in a trailer thing. Oh, right? yeah, Back maybe. in those days? Yeah, maybe. So. Because you were literally dependent on soon. that group to survive your trek. Protect against my ancestors. And to like turn the wagons into a circle and sleep inside and postcards. We come fuck you up, take your shit. We are sick of it. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Uh, so this is more than 80 years ago, a Frenchman endowed with extraordinary prophetic instinct foretold, not only the danger that would one day come from Russia. So, and the, the other thing is that fucking fascinating is they've been blaming Russia for a couple hundred years. They make him note in the early 1900s that they, they've been blaming Russia for forever. <laughs> Still here, hundred years then, later. Who's who's it? Whose fault is the convoy? Oh, it's it's Russians. Come oh yeah, I've seen that. Fuck, seen that. Could it be the Russians? <laughs> oh, that and, and and get this. I mean, this is the same old fucking story. That's why to me these books are so important. And this won't be out on audio soon. Um, but that the press would facilitate the destruction of civilization. Imagine that. When our cosmopolitan democracy bearing its last fruits shall have made of war a thing odious to whole populations, when the nations calling themselves the most civilized on earth shall have finished enervating themselves in their political debaucheries, the floodgates of the north will open on us once again. Then we shall undergo a last invasion, not of ignorant barbarians, but of cunning and enlightened masters. More enlightened than ourselves, for they will have learnt from our own excesses how we can and must be governed. It is not for nothing that Providence piles up so many inactive forces in the east of Europe. One day the sleeping giant will arise and force will put an end to the reign of words. In vain, then, distracted equality will call the old aristocracy to the help of liberty. 
The weapon grasped again too late and wielded by hands too long inactive will become powerless. Society will perish for having trusted to words void of sense or contradictory. Then the deceitful echoes of public opinion, the newspapers wishing at all costs to keep their readers will push the world to ruin. If only to have something to relate for a month longer, they will kill society to live upon its corpse. Today, the newspapers, no longer the echoes of public opinion, but its supreme directors. This is, again, going back, way back. Throw open their columns to every form of dis, disintegrating doctrine and close them to arguments that could effectually arrest the forces of destruction. And then he goes on. This is further on down the book. They're talking about um, St. Etienne. I think they're saying all the, all the societies, these secret societies, agree on the common purpose expressed by Robaud de Saint-Étienne. Uh, Saint In the words, everything, yes, everything must be destroyed, since everything must be remade. Build back better? It is idle to say that so insane a project can present no danger to the world. The fact remains that an increasing number of people regard it with perfect equanimity. The phrase... All civilizations have passed away. Ours will doubtless pass away likewise. It is continually to be heard on the lips of apparently sane men and women who, whether they advocate such an eventuality or not, seem prepared to accept it in the spirit of complete fatalism and to put up no resistance. Has not the idea of the world state, the universal republic, become the war cry of the international socialists? the Grand Orient Masons, the Theosophists, and the world revolutionaries of our own day? I'll keep going. I got two more short paragraphs. Thus, as early as 1789, before the revolution had really developed, Deluchette uttered these words of warning. This is, this is good. Deluded people learn that there exists a conspiracy in favor of despotism against liberty, of incapacity against talent, of vice against virtue, of ignorance against enlightenment. This society aims at governing the world. Its object is universal domination. This plan may seem extraordinary, incredible, yes, but not chimerical. No such calamity has ever yet afflicted the world. And then, and then uh, one more. And then in, uh, thus in 1874, Monologue. Malaper... What? Monologue. In a... <laughs> <laughs> Malapert, uh, orator of the Supreme Council of the Ancient and Accepted Scottish Rite, went so far as to say, in the 18th century, Freemason was so widespread throughout the world that one can say that since that epoch, nothing has been done without its consent. The secret history of Europe during the last 200 years yet remains to be written. Until viewed in the light of the Dessous Descartes, many events that have taken place during this period may remain forever incomprehensible. I was seeing if I could, if I could put any effects on your voice, <laughs> but I can't figure out how to work this new mixer. The big, the big like uh, echo on my voice. <laughs> and then, and then we got a great, uh, great email from another. Lit. We're getting some emails from Eastern Europe. So Eastern I got one Europe? here. Do we from, need an uh, Eastern yeah. European uh, jingle? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> with, a, with a funky accent. <laughs> funky accent. All right, I'm looking for, uh, maybe I'll just use this one. Spam Graham, Graham. Oh, 
especially now with everything going on, it'd be great to hear from people all over the world. I mean, just tell us. I mean, we do get words from, you know, the UK and Australia and some Eastern Europe and lots in the States and Canada, of course. But yeah, send your synchros, your jingles, your uh, spiritual experiences, your your uh, feedback, your thoughts, UFO sightings, Cash. what's happening politically in your in your area, if you want. If the convoy has uh, made it, you know, to affect your area. So, hey, guys, first of all, thank you for all your hard efforts to create the amazing content for us listeners. I heard someone from Poland sending you some info on communism, and I can only say that it was the rough outlines of a very sad era. I spent a part of my childhood in communist Hungary. I can say I had a happy childhood as I was. Oh, this is this is interesting, right? This is kind of like what we talk about. This is kind of what I grieve about or cry about, about how awesome our childhoods were. I spent a part of my childhood in communist Hungary. I can say I had a happy childhood as I was free to play outside with my friends, had a football to kick, a bicycle to ride, a river to swim in in the summer. I was full of joy if we had two to three bananas at home in the winter, as it was a winter fruit for us. The very limited resources made us appreciate the smallest things in life. Kids nowadays want something new every day. The joy of opening presents at Christmas lasts for 30 minutes. I guess I was lucky to see the end of that era as it was not so bad as 10 to 20 years before my birth. My grandparents told us many stories, most very sad ones. Yet they would have been very happy to go back in time to be that young again in that system. Now to COVID, it's Aust- it's Austria in Austria, it is tyranny. If there's anything worse than that, please feel free to use that word. Batshit crazy. <laughs> Despotism? I don't know. Batshit crazy? Authoritarian? Austria's totalitarian? I mean, Europe's always been on the brink of totalitarianism, though. Let's be honest. I mean, outside of the UK. It's got that's a, why, they, it's that's got why they're out there protesting. See, that's why the convoy's, convoy's so important, because... In Canada, we don't have that cultural we memory. Don't want it. We don't have we don't that have physical memory sleep, yeah. of this constantly. War. Europe has been in the in the throes of one war after another for thousands of years. We don't have that here. We just came and took over the. And Indians before and, that, just autocratic leaders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, things got democratic and shit just went into fucking total chaos. Okay, let me see where we're at here. So he says, uh, yeah, it's an email now. As of February 1st, all the unvaxxed will start receiving penalties around 4,000 euros. The tyrants were very kind. One time? Austria. Uh, I don't don't know. Let us know if that's like, what's that? Is that a year or one time? Yeah, is that a (laughs) one time? We're going to go fund me going for it. He's like, can you pay the four grand and then you're back in society? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Do you get to pay? Is that are you buying your Vax Pass then, or are you just paying to stay? It sounds out of like jail? cheaper to buy the Vax Pass at that point. I heard the tyrants. Grand. You could always, you know, instead of paying the four thousand euros, pay a sponge. Uh, the tyrants were very kind to remove prison sentence for the, from their original plans. Holy! So, and here we are. People think we're fucking crazy talking about camps and stuff, and their tyrants actually went. Back a step to a huge fine instead of prison terms. I just had my third shot to lose my green, so not to lose my green pass. We booked our holidays and I did not want, not want to let my family down. Survived too, so I took my chances after giving shit to Dr. Mengele, who gave me the shot. <laughs> Funny that the fact 
if you are with uh or if you're not with the third booster your third shot would count as your first so you needed two more five shots in total to have a green pass crazy i think he meant late so funny fact if you were late with your third booster this is what scares people here like what if i do change my mind how am i going to catch up to the fucking regulations just get them all same weekend reading the form of consent states the use of covid19 vaccines as third dose has not yet been approved (laughs) says it all doesn't it (laughs) yeah like the doctor asks you if you want the jab if you say no they don't do it i asked her if she did her research on the subject and she said yes i told her i told her i very much doubt it (laughs) also but it is sad to see someone who studies so much simply to jab people with this shit for money. She claimed that she's only protecting people. It actually all started off with me walking there with my mask only covering my mouth. She told me to put it on. I did not react immediately, so she grabbed it and pulled it up. So suddenly, she actually hit me. Had to warn her not to touch me and hit me again. A minute later, she apologized. I was a bit like a soccer player who was rolling on the grass to get the opponent's yellow carded. But really asking nicely and giving me five more seconds would have done done it, too. I can picture that. We were playing against the Czechs in hockey. Man, they dive. dive the divers? One little, one little bump, and they're just flopping on the ground. Seems like racism or something. It's not. It's just the way that they play sports. You know, it's, it's, uh, they're all known for that. Okay. Okay. The, <laughs> the, Russians, the, the Czechs, whites are divers. I promised not to go down without a fight, so at least had to stick to that. After discussing it numerous times yesterday, I told, I decided that I did not want it, and my wife said, okay, but there's always a but. We cannot enter shops together, cannot go to places that the kids like, etc. So what do you do? I had a shitty day today thinking about both sides. I got to the point where I was thinking, I wish I did not have kids. The thought bring, this thought brings tears out. I do not remember the last time I cried, but I was close to it today. The existence of my child keeps me going every day. These bastards in the name of protecting the nation, terrorizing people, splitting families with this mandate. There is resistance, and I'm, I'm ashamed that I could not. I'm ashamed that I think it would be easier without having a family, how horrible it is. I gotta admit, it is easier without a family. So it's, don't be ashamed for thinking that. It is easier without a family. Sometimes I think about what it'd be like to have kids through this whole thing and be way, way harder. Now we don't mind. We're having a time. Getting to makes this you point, fight harder. Wishing... What? Makes you fight harder. Getting to this point, wishing your or your other's life away. So I went to the sh- I went for the shot, hoping those good docs in the U.S. are right and this crap's leaves after six months. I rather wish that. This email is already too long, so last thoughts. Some predictions for the future. This is for the terrorist state of Austria. (laughs) Kids mandated to be vaccinated by September 2022. PCR to be paid for from April 2022. Now it's free for all citizens. There is some resistance, but I tell you, these original Austrians are stupid as fuck and they love the jab. So weird, fucked up, backward country in many ways. Have you read about the ex-Prime Minister Kurtz? Stole money, and instead of going to prison for 10 years, he was removed and now works for an American company that pays him half a mil per year. 
He wanted to end COVID. Then news came out that he stole funds. Coincidence? Hmm, no trial, nothing. Just moved from the big pick. Have an amazing weekend, guys. Istvan. Might be Thanks, time to get Istvan. the fuck out of Dodge, Istvan. Thanks, buddy. Great email. Appreciate it. Might be time to get the fuck out of Dodge. I don't know if that's an option for you, but... Austria seems to be extra terrible lately. That's so weird that, you know, they would, that they would like it. I, I almost feel like it's almost like the Israeli thing, why, why they brought all these into Israel. Cause I'd like Jessica, to know what the Jessica, other Russia border states are like. I wonder if it's something to do with proximity to Russia. Because if you're getting ready to go into another war with Russia, you want control of those states' populations, maybe at a higher level. I don't know. Interesting to know. If it fits into the Russia thing at all. I don't know. It fits in with the, when you're at war all the time, you got to listen to your government like the Israeli, Israelis do, yeah, right? it wasn't like, yeah, exactly. War. It wasn't like Kazakhstan was fucking crazy, crazy. Interesting to look at all those countries bordering Russia. Yeah. Is that, but like, would they be NATO, you think? Austria is probably NATO, yeah. NATO? I'm not sure, though. I can find out quickly. North American Terrorist Organization? Oh, boy. Don't say that. We're going to be canceled for sure now. Aren't we already? We're just, like, uh, shadow banned right now. <laughs> not canceled. Are they? Yes? No? They no must there's be. a war. I mean, they the war against... I mean, the war against... Uh, Austria is a long-standing and major contributor to the NATO-led Kosovo force. So, oh, member states of NATO... Uh, 30 member states. No, they're not. They just huh. pay? They're not? I, no, they're supporting. They were supporting. That other headline was that they were supporting the NATO-led Kosovo force. Oh. Well, they're not they, joined, they joined forces, joined the international security assistance in, in Afghanistan. This is going back uh, 20 years now. <laughs> why, hasn't Austria, why hasn't Austria joined NATO? Switzerland, Austria, and Liechtenstein, Liechtenstein are the only Central European countries that are not NATO members. Huh. Lots of people asking the question. Bingo, bango. There you go. Pull, I found a thread. Pull on it, people. Pull on that thread. Speaking of pulling, pull out uh, that wallet. Head over to America.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly this month, if you can, this we could use starting off 2022. looks like we're bouncing back from COVID, hopefully. And, uh, you know, we could use some support around here. Graham taking a run at full-time, coming into almost as the end of his first year as a full-time Gramerica employee. And uh, we can't do it's that. With it. There is a churn rate, of course, with people always falling off. Every month you lose a couple supporters, so we need a couple new ones. And we know that's for various reasons. Some people stop listening to the show. Some people run into financial difficulties. That's fine. Uh, the there's 95 or 98 percentish of the rest of the audience out there that can pick up your slack by heading over to grimerica.ca slash support today and uh, and signing up for a monthly. Like I say, it doesn't have to be forever. Do it for six months helps. Do it for a year, it helps. Do it as long as you can. Make a one-time donation if you're not happy with that. A couple different platforms to do it there. We got Patreon, PayPal, Stripe. You can take cryptos if you email us, grimerica.com. And uh, we need your support now more than ever. If you guys want to keep shows like ours around, uh, head over to grandamerica.ca slash support today. Sign up for a monthly. 
<laughs> of course, you can't over, always head over to America. You can always head over to GrandAmericaOutlaw.ca. Check out that other podcast. We just crossed over 60 episodes in our one-year anniversary over that. So uh, you can get the last 33 episodes, uh, the free version of the last 33 episodes for free, of course, over there. And if you decide you like what you hear, uh, there's a whole plus program over there that'll get you like 65 episodes. And we do another one every week and they're two hours long and that sort of thing. We got the chats, grammarica.ca slash chats. We got the audiobooks, adultbrain.ca. We got about 40 books out there now, including the Charles Fort collection. Uh, like Graham was saying, the Subversive Movements book will be out this week. So check it out, grab a book, use your credit, get an audible. And uh, that all helps support what we're trying to do over here. Hopefully make the world a little bit of a better place. Yeah, and this fan was saying, uh, loving the audiobooks. We'll get three more next week on Amazon as an, Amazon has an offer on audio, audiobook credits. I hope you'll be able to do some newer books as well, he says. And he follows the truckers. He says he thinks it's amazing for your country to have people like them and the supporters. The money donated speaks for my for itself. And then he also said in my first email, I told you that your French blood has the rebel factor. Back then, things were okay there. So I guess I was right about that. It finally happened. I hope things will turn around in the very not-democratic Austria, too. We hope so, so, too, buddy. So that's good to hear people are listening to audiobooks from Europe as well. That's right. We should get you speaking a couple different languages. I mean, really, no. so. Let's just start with, like, Spanish. <laughs> but, yeah, you can sign up for audio. Um, is there a link or anything like that that they should follow? Or no. We put a link in no, there? No, I'm not okay. kidding. We're bad enough with those bastards. Uh, yeah, check out those audiobooks. Sign up for a month. Do you got anything else? Get out of here. That's it. Because we're going to jump into, we'll play you the quick little 14 or 15 minute blurb we did the other day of uh, the truckers and uh, Graham going to see him and all that. And uh, then we'll jump into the interview with the exo uh, theology. James Parkin. James Parkin. Joel Parkin. Joel. Joel. Joel Parkin. All right, guys. Enjoy the chat. Joel Parkin. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, a little special episode. This ain't going to last long. We said we were going to quit live streaming, but here we are with a quick one coming at you. Uh, we figured we'd pop in quick and uh, do a little video to do a little shout out. We got the little phenom going on in Canada right now of uh, the Freedom Convoy ripping across the country. The Rays co- closing in on six million bucks. Uh, I was privileged enough to drive along beside him for a little while there, and Graham went and met him on the overpass, and, and we've had a bunch of people sort of writing in that they're along with them or going in, so we figured we'd just pop on and let people know that uh, we wish we were there. Yeah, I mean, that money's not going to go far with all these trucks going all the way across Canada with the gas and everything else that's that's going to cost them that, but I don't know. I've heard rumors that GoFundMe shut it down, but now it's up to five point seven four eight million, and you know that was when it was four point five million. So, you know, even even this, there's there's rumors that Facebook deleted their six hundred thousand person group, and I, I mean I haven't looked because I'm not on Facebook, but you just don't know what to believe these days, you know. 
But I do think this is a great way to protest. I mean, I really do think this is a way to get everybody together. I mean, you're seeing that these guys traveling along, they've got tons of support all the way along. Like I, I was super emotional the other morning. I was waiting for them at this intersection, like a hundred kilometers east of Calgary, let's say. And there was hundreds of cars and hundreds of people that had just arrived at this one spot in the middle of nowhere to support them. Right. A bunch of people had flags and stuff and everybody was just, just great. Just out there to support these guys. I mean, the, the support is unbelievable. And you know what? This is probably the best way to protest because we haven't nobody. We don't know what to do. Right. There's not enough people in the cities walking around protesting, sitting at City Hall. That that doesn't seem to do anything. But this is gathering groups of people from all over the country, you know, and anybody that wants to follow along can just follow along. I mean, it really does seem like an interesting way to do it. And if they gridlock Ottawa, then good. If it's peaceful, great. You know, it's supposed to be. It seems pretty peaceful so far. I mean, did you see the thing about the, uh, the Hutterites, the Hutterites <sighs> went out and they were going to make them all dinner in Manitoba. They're making lunches and handing out lunches. I've seen a couple of posts of people are just handing them lunches all over the place. And I mean, it kind of, I wasn't around for Terry Fox, but I think that's kind of got to be the closest thing, right? Other than when the Flames were in the Stanley Cup final. It was kind of like that around Calgary, but the rest of Canada really didn't give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. That's more of a, yeah. I mean, Team Canada was pretty big, I think, in the Olympics. I was there for the Olympics, which was crazy. Um, in 20, in, in 2010 that was kind of similar but i mean i think that this is just gonna hopefully wake up some more people as well and there'll be a bunch of people against it i mean the media is totally slagging them already i mean they will ignore it they will try and push back uh, against it they'll lie through their teeth about it um they'll, they'll blame the empty shelves uh you know on them i think that's already happening but the shelves were getting emptied before they started this i mean and let's not forget what triggered this, eh, Darren? Was it the the uh, the pivot on the vax mandate for these guys coming across the border, or for truckers in general? I mean, they were going to let them in, and then they changed their mind again at the last minute. So, I mean, I don't know if there was some design behind this. I mean, I'm skeptical of everything. I hope that the you know there's not a bunch of organizations that are going to hijack this movement. It seems to be pretty organic. It seems to be like they've got a pretty good team. Everybody's working together. I think they got a lawyer on board now, so to help with like a lawyer and accountant to make sure all the money is like, uh, hush, hush, I'm just playing the video here now, or where there's like 400 or 500 people out in Steinbach, at the Steinbach and Highway 1 overpass. Like, this is literally in the middle of fucking nowhere, dude. That's like, what I've I mean. been there That's all weird. the time. This is probably <laughs> yeah. an hour east of the Winnipeg city limit, and it's probably about... 40 minutes north of Steinbach. Uh, it's south of Breezebois up there. And it's just like, you know, there's four or 500 cars out there. They're setting off fireworks, holding up signs. It's minus. The other thing to remember is minus 30 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Where those guys are right now. So then the Hutterites, they kicked them out. Manitoba wouldn't let them. Or Winnipeg, the RCMP wouldn't let them. So they followed them to... Uh, Kenora, Ontario, which is oh, like very what? close to my wow. stomping ground. Yeah. And uh, it was something like 25 different Hutterite colonies banded together. Wow. And that's went amazing. And, and uh, fed them all. That is amazing. Because they're kind of on their own little isolated thing. I mean, they're kind of on the outskirts of society as it is. So can I read this post from a nurse? Uh, sure. 
pretty emotional, but this is kind of, you know, I agree. So this is dear truckers from us fired nurses. You have now felt what it feels like to be a hero to many. You have felt that indescribable, amazing feeling driving through those crowds of people. And this is like, this is from a few days ago. So this has been ramping up for a few days now. Um, crowds of people cheering for you today. I saw it on your faces. You were proud, humbled, inspired. Some of you no doubt had goosebumps, the hair raised upon your arms and maybe even tears in your eyes. You felt that love. You drove through that wall of energy. Us nurses felt the same in September doing our protest. That energy was high. We will never forget. We felt so united, hopeful and proud. We went to bed buzzing with that energy. The next morning that changed. The most peaceful protest we had ever seen suddenly was twisted in the media and portrayed as violent disruptive they said we blocked traffic and ambulances they lied they demonized us the media headlines used dangerous language turning the people against us they reported that the thousands in attendance were only hundreds at best they dulled our shine and dragged us down they also called us terrorists they crashed our high broke our spirits nurses are tough and they broke some of us that day don't let them break you don't let the headlines tomorrow or vilification thrown your way by some show, by some, by some, slow you down and steal your thunder. Roll past the barriers and hate thrown at you. Don't let the word selfish that will no doubt be plastered around you make you doubt yourself or your mission. That word really snuffed our flame. Don't let it dull yours. Keep rolling. We love you. We need you. Remember that energy and that love you felt driving past us today. It was real. Yeah, from what I heard, there's, like, uh, people on, like, almost every fucking overpass. There's always some haters. I'm, wonder- trying to f- I'm trying to find out why, like, why I got so emotional about it. Like, it was just, Because you're a black belt son of a bitch, and you had lost faith in everybody, and this just shows you that everybody kind of felt the same as you. Not everybody, but a lot of no, people. No, no, no. But yeah, but it does show people that we're not alone. I mean, that's what this thing, no matter what happens at the end of this, it's, it's, it's showing people that they're not alone. And there's a whole bunch of people that don't agree with these mandates, whether you're vaxxed or not. And this isn't about being anti-vaxxed or not. These, a lot of these truckers are vaxxed, but they don't, want it. they don't want mandates. They don't want to be told what to do when they enter this country, that they have to have this injection or that injection or this booster and that booster or quarantine for 14 days or whatever the new mandate is supposed to be. Do you want me to play that, uh, that thing of that, uh, the lady that's running, one of the ladies that's running this? Is or? it a video? Do you want me to play that? Is that the video you sent me? Yeah, it's the one I sent you. Okay, one sec. You keep talking for a sec. Yeah. So, I mean, and then, of course, Trudeau recently, I mean, I, geez, what did he say? He said, uh, we're, they're a small minority of people that don't think the same as you. I can get the actual quote unacceptable. But just recently with unacceptable, uh, unacceptable views or something. I mean, it's pretty. Oh, I think I took a picture of it. Hang on a sec here. Yeah, it's pretty gross, really. It's just the division again. But I mean, wh- what do you expect from those guys? Right. I want to thank you guys for bearing with me. Um I know I can get emotional, and I try really hard not to, but I'm just so damn proud of all of you. Where'd you go? I've said it before a million times. I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry on the video. I was at a point where I was giving up on Canada. 
and I was at a point where I thought we were at the point of no return. <laughs> and you guys have given me hope. All of us hope here. You guys are giving us strength. You guys are keeping us going. And wow, we are one big team. One big national team, guys. We got trucks coming from the Northwest Territories. I think I told you we got clan mothers coming from the Northwest Territories. We have trucks rolling out of the north of uh, Newfoundland. We got Americans coming to support. I was on the phone with an American last night who is sending his love and support, and he's saying that the entire world is watching us, and they are. I firmly believe this is our last stand. And we are not coming home until you are all free. I love you guys. I'll check in with you later, okay? So Trudeau says... The trucker convoy making its way to Ottawa is a small fringe minority who hold unacceptable views and do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other. It's it's unbelievable. It's off the hook. It's it's off the hook. The the demonization from our leaders and these mandates and the push this this um, totalitarianism that's coming down. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's but I mean, people are waking up. Hopefully, you got something else, sir. Well, yeah, I'm just trying to find quick the here. Just keep talking for a sec. Keep talking. Keep talking. I mean, you, you're what book you're reading? Well, I don't want to get into books right now, but I do have another thing I can just say. <laughs> just, just to stick on the Trudeau thing. You're not going to believe this. Well, that's what I'm trying I mean, to find you, is the Trudeau probably, thing. You've probably seen this already, but Klaus Schwab had this. Uh, I saw this thing in 2017. Says he's proud of his. WEF infiltrating governments and personally knows more than half of Trudeau's cabinet. So he basically says we've penetrated the cabinets. So I these guys, you know, it's clear that they're not only influencing guys like Macron who are on their way to sorry. Yeah, go for I didn't it. mean to play it. So this is the problem is I don't know how to use the Twitter when it's not on my phone. Oh <laughs> <laughs> it's messed up. The Small fringe Look at his eyes, man. He looks petrified. Of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other, who know that following the science, <laughs> stepping up to protect each other, is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. Next question. The How those mandates working out for you there, Trudeau? <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. So I think uh, that's all we got really to say. We figure we pop in and uh, let everyone know if they haven't checked that out. Just, if you just like go to GoFundMe.com, it's the uh, number one. It's like the number one GoFundMe in the world right now. Or it's number one trending anyway. Uh, here's a funny little thing we'll leave you with. So they made uh, approaching $6 million in just under two weeks. And the Liberal Party was able to raise $3.2 in three months before the election this year. So Wow. The, uh, the fringe minority they is coming. They don't like it. I mean, I heard that Trudeau tried to shut the, to 
talk to the GoFundMe people and shut them down or whatever. I mean, I don't know if that's happening or not, or I don't know if there's any problem with uh, them getting the money out of GoFundMe. They're, I mean, I haven't looked into it in detail, but it looks like it's, they don't seem to care still, about the money. And then uh, they, oh, they really oh, they bumped up the goal to 7 million now instead of six. Oh yeah. They so. keep bumping it up as they should. And I think what they've said now is what they're going to do is, uh, they're gonna whatever's left over after so the truckers get to submit the receipts get reimbursed for food lodging gas all that and then if there's anything left over it's getting donated to the veterans association yeah there's been some good i mean there's been some good videos on these guys talking about what this is really all about and it's not what you're hearing in the media so so we figured we'd pop in and uh, get that out there so tell your friends uh support it if you can support us if you can We love you, motherfuckers, and uh, keep hope alive. Parkin, welcome to Grimerica. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this will be fun. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you guys doing? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Surviving the wall. It's getting a little cold here again in Canada. So we're, uh, you know, hunkering down for a couple days. And then hopefully March will be a warmer month. And we'll be back to, you know, six months of decent You got to get through February 1st. Yeah. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get too ahead So... I'm in Connecticut, so it's probably a little, little uh, warmer down here, but we're still getting single digits in a lot of the evenings lately. So Yeah, it's pretty similar, Connecticut to this, uh, Canada, I think. Yeah, yeah. It has been way warmer here than Connecticut for the last week or so, though. And it wow. will be again at the end of the week. Because single yeah. digits, shit, that's like minus 10, minus 15 Celsius. We're probably like single digits Fahrenheit right now. Right now. Yeah, it's chilly, so it's it gets a little uncomfortable at nighttime. You guys have like furnaces and stuff. I know some of these southern crazy bastards in the southern states don't even have furnaces or nothing. My buddies in California don't have a furnace. I'm like, what happens if it gets cold? They're like, well, it doesn't get cold <laughs> yet. <laughs> I used to live in California, um, and you're right. We get a rainy season over there, but not really any cold weather. I heat here in Connecticut. I heat with a wood stove. So that does a pretty good job of keeping me warm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought like from the, cause I grew up with the Hartford whalers as a kid. And I always thought Connecticut was more, I felt like it was more like Canada, you know? Is that the capital? Hartford is Hartford, the capital of Connecticut. Hartford's the capital. Yeah. That is, I gotta say that is like, gotta go down as the ugliest 
Uh, logo? Logo of all time. The Hartford <laughs> Whalers logo. Where did well, they end up? One of the ugliest cities of all time. Is it? Is it? It matches? Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. a Cleveland-esque or something like that. I've never been to Cleveland, so I shouldn't bash on Cleveland. It's like Edmonton. Uh, Connecticut uh, Connecticut has four of the top ten poorest cities in the country and happens to be the wealthiest state in the country. The, the what the what estate? What was the last thing you said? It has four out of, out of the top ten poorest cities in the country, and yeah. they're all located in, in the wealthiest country, state in the country. Oh so, wow! Oh yeah, that's that's yeah, we're, crazy. We're, <clears throat> so, well, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, and then we'll get into your book, Exo Exo Theology. Exo Theology, right? Well, I um, I um, former professor at a Catholic school. Uh, Holy Apostles College and Seminary in Cromwell, Connecticut, and um, I did my doctorate in uh, exotheology, actually, which is um, what this book is. This is basically my dissertation, and um, wow. I I have been interested in this subject for a long time. I uh, was really into UFOs and uh, thinking about extraterrestrial intelligence for a long time since I was a kid, and um, <clears throat> and wasn't really religious actually. Um, uh, later in the military age, I was in the U.S. Marines. I had a conversion experience when I was in the U.S. Marines, and wow. that led me to start thinking about start thinking about um, what this whole God idea was. Wow! And uh, it took me a long time to figure out where I kind of belonged and where I fit in. And I did a lot of research and thinking, and um, going to different churches and trying to figure out what was what, and trying to discern uh, through that process what the truth might be. And so uh, it was a long process. Uh, eventually, um, uh, ended up uh, doing work in philosophy and theology, and then I um, um, decided to to really start thinking about this issue of religion and the idea of extraterrestrial intelligence. What I found was not very much um, as far as substance in this area of research. Um, <clears throat> so I, I decided I wanted to take on myself to do it myself. And so uh, I, I spent seven years researching this topic at a at a postgraduate level, and uh, eventually produced a document which you which is the exotheology oh, book that, you have now. That makes so. sense of why there is more, way more information and data in there than I thought from ancient sort of writings about about multiple worlds and UFO uh, extraterrestrial intelligence and that. So you found that there just wasn't a lot there. So you dug into it yourself and basically wrote the. It, and it, it feels like a reference book to me. Like you've got all that information laid out going all the way back. So, th- yeah. so I guess it's you actually, just took it upon yeah. yourself to do that. Well, the, the book's actually, been, it's actually a pared down version of what I actually wrote in, in entirety. The, the publisher would not let me include everything. There was a, a word limit really? that they gave me. Yeah. So, I mean, it would have been much more extensive, um, had I not had that word limit imposed upon me, but the, um, the, uh, it, it is true that, if you look at Christianity, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this from a, a Christian uh, perspective, uh, that that uh, this is a very old question. Actually, go back to the ancient Greek, Greek, Greek uh, philosophers. But as far as any theological development done, there's been very little. Uh, most of it's been done, I would say, more recently within the last 50 years within the space age. You've had some more, some more theologians who've thought about this. But again, not in any systematic or complete way. Definitely not at book length. There's a few, a few, uh, a few. Uh, treatises that have been produced on the subject, but they're very thin, and um, 
one 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 was done recently by Ted Peters, who's a, a Lutheran uh, um, theologian over in California, and he produced a uh, uh, a couple years ago a a good book which has a compilation of other writers on this this topic. But I uh, uh, what I think I produce is a much more extensive um, historical view of what's been done so far, and so um, that's what I've put together. Yeah, before we get into that, I, I am curious about your conversion experience in the U.S. Marines. Can we talk about that a little bit, and then we'll get deeper into the contents of the book? Sure. Um, let's see. I was I was not raised religious. Um, I, my mother was a Catholic, Roman Catholic. My father is a I'd probably say he's either he's probably an atheist. I think he's an atheist. From what I know, he is. So I was raised without any any kind of religious understanding whatsoever. Um, I was issued when I was in boot camp, uh, basic training. They issued all of us a um, a uh, camouflage-covered New Testament uh, to keep in our person, and I had never read the New Testament before. So at one point, uh, when I had been been in about a year, I was stationed in California. I was a cartographer at the time. I was a map maker. I um, opened the New Testament and I read it for the first time ever. And uh, what I read really stunned me. I hadn't. I mean, I've been a big reader my whole life as a kid. I read a lot when I was a kid. I had hundreds of books. I had a quite extensive library, but I had never read, read read anything having to do with religion. So when I first read the New Testament for the first time, um, it was I was I was stunned. I was stunned by it, and um, the Gospel of John especially really uh, had an impact on me. And so um, I finished it in a short period of time, and then a few weeks passed, and then. Um, one day, I was standing outside um, in California, at my barracks, actually, on a weekend. There was no one around. Um, and I just had, all of a sudden had an experience, and it just kind of came upon me without anything that seemed to pre- precede it. And I had an experience of, um, you know, like just a religious experience. Of God, the presence of God was, I was aware of God, and I was aware that this was a real kind of thing, and that there was a presence. And it was very powerful. It was very unmistakable. And uh, I've never had an experience quite like that since that time. Um, but there's no question, at least in my mind at that time, that there was something beyond what I, what I believed the, the world was about before that. And so that led me to start questioning this idea about religion and Christianity and what it was all about. Did it surprise you how, far, how deep the, the Christianity went and the documents and all the books prior to the New Testament and all the, you know, the... I wasn't I wasn't uh, educated or or exposed to any other writings at all during religion. I didn't know anything about there being a theological tradition or any kind of you know any any kind of um, I didn't know nothing about the, the Christian dominations. I knew I knew nothing of the history of the Christian Church, Catholic Church. So I had to go on a long journey of learning about this uh, on my own. It took a while. Uh, I didn't study it academically the first time. I just went to different churches and tried to understand what they were doing, and that's how it started. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the more I kind of learn about all these different sort of theologies and philosophies, I it's I'm just astounded how deep and how how many there are and how far back it goes. Well, in our country alone, I mean, in our country alone, there's over thirty thousand different Christian denominations, none of which agree with each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, and many of which have the same Bible, the King James Bible, for example, and then many of which reference the same Bible, but they they all agree on what it says, but not what it means. So that's something I encountered later on was that I was going to different Protestant churches and seeing um, a pastor talk about their approach to the scripture and then point his finger across the street at a Lutheran pastor who he did not like particularly and making claims about how he was incorrect. And so eventually I went over to that church 
And I and I sat down and I listened to him, and he eventually pointed his finger across to the other guy, and they both were using. I found they're both using the, using the same Bible. So um, I started getting curious about how this could be, and then that, that led me to eventually stop going to church and just started to research Christianity as a historical subject, not as a worshiper. Wow! Just yeah, as yeah. An, and it, I started looking at Christianity as an academic subject, not necessarily as a belief system. Wow, that's fantastic! Yeah. That, so is that is that the King James Bible that they're both reading? The one that the Queen. Uh, the one that the uh, swore on? 1618, is that it? 1611, maybe? Yeah, it was, as far as I could tell, it was the same Bible. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. How did the, how did the switch in gears affect your faith? I'm sorry? How did that switch up? Like, were you pretty much done with faith already? Or how did, like, going into and exploring Christianity from that perspective, how did it... What did it do from a faith well, perspective? Well, first of all, it, it just, I was quite dismayed at, this, at, at the situation because I got ganged up upon by different pastors when I challenged their interpretation of certain things. And I challenged why the interpretation was different from other, other interpretations. And so I ended up, getting, uh, ended up leaving that church I was going to in California because, um, because of that kind of thing. And uh, I, I eventually just left. And I, I mean, I still felt that this Christianity meant something important. Um, the message of Christianity was very powerful and it has a lot, had a lot of meaning to me, but I didn't feel necessarily that I would find that any specific church necessarily, or from some particular pastor's lips saying something to me. And because I saw, I realized that, you know, truth has to be a unity, um, philosophically speaking anyway, ontologically speaking. And so if truth is, if truth is a unity, <clears throat> then, um, these denominations are all incorrect or only one of them is right. And that's just a logical kind of path I followed, trying to figure out what was what. And it took yeah. some time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Darren, do you have a question to follow up on that? Or? No, I guess I'm, I'm curious to see where it ends up, which I guess we'll get to as we, as we go through the rest of the interview. Well, I guess let's start with this before we go into the book too much. Have you had any UFO sightings, or is there any, has there been anything like experiential or physical that also sort of woke you up to that side or i know you've always had an interest in that but i was a voracious reader of, of ufo literature as from, from a very young age uh as far as i can remember and i've i've, I've schooled myself quite quite a bit on the ufo phenomena uh prior to getting into christianity so it, you know I've, I've looked at both of these things quite extensively um no i have not had any ufo experiences per se uh, I guess I could say the closest thing I think I've come to something unusual of that nature maybe would be when I was uh, uh, a helicopter hovered over me two, on two separate occasions for a long period of time. And I know just within the ufological literature that that's something that sometimes can be, can be connected with UFO, with, uh, with the UFOs or extraterrestrial visitation. But, um, you know, U.S. helicopters are, you know, um, uh, helicopter, helicopters piloted by humans. Um, government type helicopters all blacked out, blacked out windows. They're all completely blacked, no markings whatsoever. I've had that happen to me twice on two occasions, but I couldn't connect it with anything I was doing, particularly at the time. Um, I wasn't working in this area at that time, so I'm not sure what that meant, and I don't yeah. know still to yeah. this day why that happened. Yeah. So what? So what? So how did it, you <clears throat> go ahead? It was unusual, and I couldn't figure out why I was being pursued by a helicopter like that. Because you're writing a book on Christianity <laughs> and UFOs? <laughs> uh, at that time, I don't think I was. And if I had started it, no one knew about it. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. 
Yeah, I don't know about the black helicopter thing. I mean, you're, it did, yeah, it's, I always, I always think of it as you know, in a response to something, you know. Right. So how but did no, you? As far as you, <clears throat> as far as UFOs goes, um, I've been a ardent follower of uh, ufology, but I haven't, I don't have any personal experiences of that, of so that at you, all. Well, what do you think about that in general, then, as a, as a a field of study, uh, the conclusions like interdimensional versus ET versus breakaway civilization versus like, uh, you know, black projects. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the literature is um, a lot of the literature. I think from an academic uh, perspective, that's where I come from. I don't find uh, very um, convincing, but I do think there is, there is some, some literature that's produced by some good researchers that, that's, that's very important. Um, so I do think if you're looking at the phenomena as a whole, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's a serious phenomena. It's real. I definitely think it's real. Um, um, and I do think the conclusions that we have been reached as far as, you know, earthly visitation and, um, and any kind of contact, whether not official or non-official, whether, whether communal or individual, I think that there are plausible scenarios of those things may have happened. Absolutely. Um, I do think obviously the government has complicity in a lot of this stuff. So I do agree with most of the, I do agree with some of the mainline conclusions I would say of ufology. And I do think that the science and theology and religious institutions have studied it carefully and they're, and they're not. Um, so I, I tend to think that just to give you a kind of broader view, what I have on this whole thing, as far as ufology and an academic study, I do think that more bridges need to be built between the academy and ufology. And that's one thing I'm trying to do uh, in a book I'm actually currently working on. Um, this book here has to do with ETs um, as an academic subject. It doesn't get it doesn't delve into ufology or claims of visitation that, of that nature. It deals strictly it, it deals strictly as a hypothetical. If ETs are real, whether they're here or whether they're discovered or found in other places, what's the implication for Christianity in that sense? But um, <clears throat> but I do think again that that the, theology and theologians and the scientific community should be much more engaged with ufology, ufologists on this on this stuff. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's sad that it's not. Yeah, um, and I think was... more science. Mm-hmm. That that was one of my main problems with what was happening was it's just being ignored. It's a mystery that needs to be explored and not ignored. And I think that it's it's gonna you know it's gonna change a little bit now that the government's got an organization made to get funding to do their little aspect of the research. Although I don't trust it, but I mean it is getting some mainstream attention. Do you think it's gonna change then in the, in the near future? No, I don't. Uh, and I and I'm, I'm very very skeptical towards the idea. That they're that they're advancing right now. That uh, by having a an, an office, which is an open office in the sense that we know about it, and they're making this public, that that's yeah. going to somehow make us more trustworthy, or that we that what they say about this phenomenon is going to be more plausible. I don't agree with that whatsoever. I think that this is more of a kind of a, um, a way to placate uh, people, and um, I, I do think that I do think that the, as, as far as um, the government's involvement. I think they do want to disclose certain individual ones disclose because we have a lot of leaks. We've had many, many leaks from people. Um, but uh, I think it's more of like a drip, drip kind of phenomenon. I think that the government wants, is going, planning on disclosing, but it's maybe a 50, 60, 75, 100 year process. It's not going to be something that's going to happen necessarily now. 
it may be quite some time before they let us know about stuff. And I think that's probably the right, I'm actually, I think that's probably the right decision uh, in that sense. I think that what they know will be very, very destabilizing for our society. And I think that's why they don't, they don't disclose it. But I think they have to do it in a very slow fashion. I think that's what they're doing. By slowly getting us climbing to the idea that this stuff is real, which I think they've done through the, the done cameras they've shown us last year before that. Um, they're slowly, you know, warming up the idea that this could actually be real. Um, so, I, you know, again, um, I think that's all, that's all part of the plan. What's interesting now, I think, is that, um, you know, the the James Well Telescope, for example, that's just been launched on December 25th this last year. I think that may be an opportunity, again, for them to perhaps turn the heat up a little bit more for us on this kind of thing, because if they do discover any evidence of a technological society, any technosignatures or biosignatures on faraway planets, they could claim, hypothetically, that, okay, we found something that's not natural, but it's so far away and it poses no threat to us whatsoever, that would be more of a safe bet to disclose something like that of that nature, maybe at some point, uh, not now, of course, but maybe at some point, maybe 10 years from now. So we don't uh, freak that out. Would be a very, I'm sorry. Just so that we don't like freak out. Yeah, because basically, you know, there are, there are I've, in the book I do lists, and I think in some of the footnotes, uh, some of some of the uh, there's actually quite a few different you can call them disclosure slash contact scenarios which are possible. For example, we could have something like the Daily Earth still and uh, a craft lands in, on the White House lawn or you know somewhere in New York, or we have something which is far away. For example, like um, you know, two thousand two thousand one, out in space, and obviously the further away the contact or information comes, the less threatening it is. Um, so if we have found something uh, on a planet which is light light years away, several dozen or hundred light years away, it's never going to be considered threatening to us. It will be threatening to us maybe uh, conceptually, ideologically, maybe philosophically, but not practically or really. And that's I think. Maybe I'm just speculating here that may be a way that will be useful for them, the people who do know this stuff more than we do, to slowly get a climate to the idea that there is something besides us. And that may be maybe the direction they're going. I don't know. Well, as long as I got you speculating, do you mind speculating on maybe what some of those disruptive uh, technologies might be? Like, is it? A, do you think it's a free energy thing, or is it a from a religious standpoint that sort of disruption? I think there's disruption on several different levels. Yes, including those two you just mentioned. Um, the religious implications are quite formidable, actually, and I, I, I really, am, I have a skeptical eye towards those who claim that it's not. Um, and I do go into detail that in the book here about that. And as far as um, how it would impact our economy and that kind of thing, yes, I mean there are people who have people in ufology who make all kinds of claims about how uh, Richard Dolan has mentioned this um, several times, obviously, and he has mentioned about how. Uh, if an energy source, uh, you know, was was available, which would basically cancel out our need for oil, it would change the world economy overnight, and people don't want to do that. They don't want to change that. So I, there's many, many implications. Um, religion is very important to many people, and so the religious aspect is very important. I focused on that here. Yeah, but, um, I really but we got, can't ignore that. I really got the feeling in your book that, um, and I might be wrong about this, but um, that that this shouldn't be a surprise for religion, but it is like that, that they talked about it enough in the past that they should, it should be more accepting. I mean, it sounded like there was a official um, acceptance of 
uh, different cosmologies, multiple worlds, uh, different uh, extraterrestrial civilizations. But then it, it, it's sort of all got, you know, now in our new age here, it all it's all sort of finally opening up, but was suppressed for hundreds of years. Is that a decent synopsis or? It's, par- it's, a par- it's partially accurate. I mean, the thing is, there's a few different things here. Number one is we can't think of Christianity, religion in particular, or even Christianity, as a monolithic entity. Christianity is very, very, I said before, it came with 30,000 different, 30 different, 30, different Protestant denominations in this country alone. So there's quite, there's quite a bit of uh, um, their variety in the Christian thought. Um, and so different traditions will react differently, uh, institutionally and individually, people will react differently. Um, also, you know, um, the idea, uh, look, thinking about ET disclosure or ET contact with humans and that the religious reaction to that, um, it's one thing to think about this as a hypothetical, and I think it's a very different thing for it to happen practically, really. So people hypothesize, people have hypothesized over, history, over time as to how Christianity would react institutionally and uh, individually, and I think that those those uh, expectations are not really realistic. Um, I do make reference, for example, to um, the conquest of Mesoamerica, for example. You have a uh, highly advanced civilization in the form of the Spanish empires and the conquistadors coming into Mesoamerica and completely transforming that society in a very, very short period of time because of advanced military power, and of course, because it was, they brought, they brought a lot of disease with them. Smallpox, for example, which killed about 90% of the inhabitants. But the point is, is that we don't know how this will play out. And I think that's one, that's part of the reason why we're not getting disclosure that many new in the lethological community want. There's, there's a lot of unknowns here. And, um, <clears throat> we just don't know. Um, I think that, yes, there are people who would react, um, in a way, uh, positively to some kind of disclosure. Obviously, there's a segment of the population that may, and I think there are, there are absolutely certain areas of pop, certain segments of the population that would react very poorly. Um, for example, um, evangelicals, uh, fundamentalist Christians uh, are are usually very very reticent to acknowledge any kind of idea of ETs um, because of their reading of the, of the Bible. Yeah, and then the problem is the trust level too. I mean, it now it seems to be eroding very fast. I mean, I, I was just reading these books uh, from Charles Fort talking about UFOs and lights in the sky, and a lot of uh, a lot of pushback against the astronomers because they they would just disregard all this data that would change the paradigm, right? They would accept all this stuff that, uh, and then they would all have these uh, consensus on, oh, this planet, this new planet or new star is going to arrive here. This eclipse is going to happen here. And they were wrong completely many times. So he's like, well, these people just disregard all this data if it doesn't fit their paradigm. And yet they're not accurate half the time. So, I mean, I might like trust in the scientific institutions is totally low and then government as well. So, you know, and then religion. I mean, it's like the three things that you don't want to trust right now, scientism, religion, and the government. How does that implicate? Right. Yeah. I, one thing I think which is helpful, though, is that, you know, um, we're able to substantiate, if you look just at ufology, for example, and how we're able to now, I think, substantiate to a much more accurate and reasonable degree what 
is out that what's happening. So we have, you know, smartphones, which have some, which have pretty good cameras on them now and pre- and they're able to record pretty well. And we have the ability to, to see things and record things we couldn't before. Uh, for example, you know, sometimes I was watching a video a few weeks ago about this cop, um, who pulled somebody over and just sucker punched this guy who had his hands up, just sucker punched him. And, um, you know, just, uh, that was caught on a camera by somebody had a somebody had a camera to, to 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 videotape that. Now that wouldn't be possible twenty years ago. Nobody would he make a claim. Well, this guy punched me, and there's no way it can be substantiated. Um, now we have so many people have smartphones now, which I think is a huge deal. We can we can we can document so many things that are happening nowadays, and um, understanding that many videos on YouTube, for example, of UFOs are probably you know really good fakes, but there's a there's a good number that are real and can be substantiated. Um, through um, video forensics to be to a real video. And so this shows that stuff is real. So that's why I'm saying to you earlier that the scientific community needs to kind of get on board with some of the evidence that we've been able to compile over a long period of time. And that now I think is burgeoning quite a bit that we can kind of look at this as more as a scientific subject rather than a, rather than a, uh, just a figment goes on, you know, just a claim that we're making without substantiation. Did you did you research at all, or I mean, I know you've, you're so well read on the subject, and I'm sure you know about it all. But I mean, it, as far as like putting sort of this type of thing in your book with um, contact through global grassroots organizations nowadays, like ET Let's Co- ET, uh, what is it called? ET Let's Let's Talk. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, ET <laughs> Let's Talk or C C C SETI or. You know, all these C5 organizations that are out there making contact with what they think is ETs. Now, you know, this could have been, this could be, there could be an analogy to old ancient magic traditions and making contact and conjuring, you know, different, uh, different entities and spirits or whatever. I mean, there's all these kinds of parallels people make, but um, how does that fit in there at all? Or like, or like, why can't, like, what annoys me about the scientific community and, and sometimes other people, they just don't go out there and fucking try to make contact themselves. They're just waiting for this a scientific study or uh, an overwhelming amount of evidence from people's cell phones or whatever. Like, have you ever thought about? Well, that? I, I think yeah. I, I think uh, I'm not that familiar with what you're describing as far as those con- those those groups who attempt contact or claim contact with ETs. Uh, be interested to see what kind of evidence they can produce. Um, I'm somebody who's convinced by evidence. I mean, I, what I if think you that see it yourself, cause you can't get great. I mean, cause you can, I can see, I can show you all the flash bulbs and slow, uh, fast walkers and these low flying lights on. And it's just a fit. It's just a bunch of lights on, on a, a phone, like, or, or a better, like, you know, I mean, you kind of got to experience it in a way. Well, I, evidence, I think evidence that- to me, like it's just, uh, somebody can just, like, like I was saying about in the 1800s, they just take what they want and push away what they don't want to fit their paradigm. I mean, well, I think for if, if you know if, if ufology wants to have mainline credibility, which I think it needs to have, um, then it needs to adopt more scientific methods for for to, to substantiate its claims. So, for example, if you're talking about people who are taking photographs and they say this is you know this is an ET or this looks like a craft that kind of thing, then it should, it should go through a rigorous process of analysis. And I think that they should use the tools of science to do this. I think, I, I definitely think that um, video forensics, which is a, a really a promising field, 
uh, now it's used mostly in, in, in law enforcement and investigations and that kind of stuff. But um, it absolutely should be used for um, for um, ufological research, absolutely. I've, I've talked to MUFON about this, and uh, they have one or two guys in the entire organization nationwide who do this. And they do it on a part-time limited basis, and um, and they don't do a lot of it. And so... Right, right. Um, uh, video forensics is a, is a very, very important tool the UFOs should be using, especially since, you know, we have so much video it could be analyzed. Um, and I think it should be put into the same rigorous process as anything else. You know, so um, that's something that should be done. I mean, SETI, SETI, you know, obviously SETI is doing something which is, they claim is the real, the real effort to contact ETs, of course. Uh, and they ignore, the, uh, they ignore any claims of ET contact here, which I think is absolutely foolish. Um, so, I, again, I think that the scientific community really needs to take a hard look at what ufology claims and put it through, the, put it through an, an, a vigorous process of analysis. And um, I, think we can, I think we can do that better now, you know, because yeah, yeah. We, do have, we do have technology now which can really do a good job at ferreting out, at ferreting out um, um, uh, bogus, bogus material and help us figure out what's really going on. And that's, that's a really important thing that should be done and it's not. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just I just don't trust the institutions to do that. That's all. I mean, it's just you know, I, I feel like there's the there's the uh, the implications of trying to to do too much scientific evidence that it ruins the whole experience. I mean, I know that sounds like a cop out, but there is a well, no. I mean, a, I mean, I think tendency I, for that to happen, you know. Right, but I think the ufological phenomena, um, as a phenomena, has has revealed itself to be something that's not doesn't fit squarely into our scientific categories necessarily all the time. Right. So there are paranormal aspects of the UFO phenomena, which we should not ignore, actually. We should yeah. take, pay careful attention to those. Yeah. Uh, there, are, there are phenomena, if you look at religious phenomena, for example, I've, looked, I've, I've done a lot of research into you know, religious phenomena and claims of you know, marrying apparitions, for example, um, claims of incorruptible saints, that kind of stuff, stigmata, um, you know, weeping statues, etc. You know, there are there are claims of this kind which have been shown to be scientifically um, um, unexplainable uh, under exactly. vigorous vigorous analysis that cannot explain it. This is a phenomenon that, be, that that transcends our ability to understand scientifically. It means something. It is something beyond us. We just you know so as religious. The Catholic Church, for example, will make certain claims about what these things mean. But if you, even if you don't want to accept those claims uh, from a religious perspective, you have to say at least from a, a rational perspective that the, they, there's something going on which doesn't um, – that's not human. Um, so when you look at the, 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 UFO, uh, the ufological literature, we're kind of in the same category in a way. We're looking at something we don't quite understand but we know is real. And science should be brought to bear on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I love how you brought in the apparitions and the and the saints and the stigmata. And I mean, it, that kind of brings me to to wonder about: Did you come across the this pushback that um, or this uh, feeling that like I know there's a group in the government uh, from decades ago, the Collins Collins or the Collins elite, that basically chalk all this up to demons, right? Like, there's a whole. Uh, Nick Redfern, yeah, yeah Rick Nick Redfern there, yeah. wrote a book on that. Yeah, um, yeah. I've got it here. I've got but it do you here. think that that's a, is that a, is that a, a blockage there that they're they're just taking final this event. to yeah final events yeah. It seems like there's uh, more well, of a push he, these days for Christians to call 
anything like this, you know, demons, basically. Well, I think that's very one-sided and simplistic thinking. I mean, and there's a lot of that going around. Um, Christians tend to think in very Christians tend to think in very simple categories, and so if something that's in their category of thought, they dismiss it. They try to explain it away within that category of thought. So, if UFOs are coming down, that there's a claim of a claim of seeing humanoid um, entities roaming around on Earth. Um, if there's a claim of um, inexplicable lights in the sky, well, we have to explain that. No, we can't explain that as within the, within the Christian paradigm. I think that's really a, a serious fallacy on the part of many evangelicals and fundamental, Christian fundamentalists. Um, it's a very easy go-to to explain something they really don't understand. Uh, there's nothing there's nothing within the literature of ufology or Christian theology which says we can't have both. And I read and I mentioned this uh, a few times in my book is that uh, there's there's no there's no fundamental incompatibility uh, for whether there be humans, angels, demons, which of course are also angels, and biological entities which do not originate from Earth. So we can have all of these things happening at the same time. That's kind of what I was getting at. How did when did it shift? Like when did when did Christianity as a broad term get so closed minded towards this whole thing? Because like I like I mentioned, I that's the feeling I got from your thing is that it can be compatible due to all these old documents and this old literature that seems to be more accepting of this. How did we go the opposite way? Or when? Uh towards dismissing uh um unknown phenomena as yeah. being yeah, yeah, or or just not accepting that uh, that it's that just not fitting into that whole paradigm, the Christian paradigm. Well, it's gone back and forth historically speaking. I mean, we've had you know early early in the Christian you know, pre-science days, pre-science the pre the pre-scientific era. Um, people had a host of beliefs about uh, beings and about other. Uh, Fontenelle was uh, our French philosopher, amateur astronomer, and he believed there were other beings on the worlds and that there are spirits in between in between here and uh, the ether um, of Earth. And of course, even in, during the New Testament period, there was uh, in, the, in the ancient uh, period of uh, Christ period, for example, uh, Paul, Paul especially um, mentions that the spirits and principalities and powers that, that existed within this realm between Earth and the heaven. And so the idea was that these other intelligence existed, uh, which we couldn't quite explain, but this was kind of like, you know, this mythology that existed, this kind of Hellenistic mythology which existed. But um, if you come back to modern time, as, you know, as, as science progressed um, and as uh, telescopic technology advanced, um, the, a lot of these ideas kind of fell away. Uh, for example, once we realized that, uh, you know, Mars, you know, once we realized that Mars didn't have canals. That was just uh, they were that were made by ETs. Our telescopic technology advanced, but we could tell they weren't they weren't just canals, um, and they weren't like produced artificially. Uh, then that then that whole idea of there being other beings in our, in our solar system kind of fell away. And as our science as our space science um, our space science advanced, we realized more and more that we're actually the only ones here in our solar system. Supposedly we're only humans. We're only uh, rational animals or or intelligent beings in the solar system. So more skepticism, more skepticism uh, towards the idea of ETs in that sense. Uh, so that started developing more. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So when, do you, when do you think that was, like 1800s or? Well, no, the space age, you know, which started, you know, was about the 1957, um, we started developing our space program and we started learning more about space, um, you know, and even, you know, late 1900s. Um, 
late 1800s, I'm sorry, uh, people um, still believed that there might be, um, you know, inhabitants in some of the planets. But that, but as soon as we got into more of a technological age and we started developing our space program, we realized we knew that there was, that we didn't have an inhabited moon, for example. Um, there wasn't, Mercury was not inhabited. Venus was not inhabited. And these are, the dark, these are ideas the that were floating side. around. Well, there's claims. <laughs> there's all kinds of claims. They're interesting. Yeah. They're very interesting. Yeah. No, that makes sense, though. So that did, that basically started to take over that, you know, that, and then it became less acceptable to, for religion as well. Or, or maybe it gave religion a reason uh, not to include that in the paradigm. The, 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 the thing that I've write, I'm writing, that's written in this book is one of the main arguments here is that. Theologically, we've been geocentricized for so long. Um, our theology is really behind the times, and, and that's what I argue in the first couple chapters. So, um, if you look at um, Christianity as a whole, or Catholicism, my tradition is Catholicism, uh, we've really lagged behind quite a bit scientifically. Science, science has advanced um, in many, many areas, and on many fronts, obviously. Theology has not advanced along with science. We've, we were behind. We were behind when the Darwinian revolution happened and we had to catch up to that. And we're still actually kind of dealing with that. Uh, we're still dealing with modernism, um, the Christian churches. And so um, we're now exploring the cosmos and theology has not quite even begun to think about this. This Didn't book the- gets with theology is, is really, a, is really an effort to try to make Christianity think about this seriously and systematically and how it would contend with the idea of there being ETs. And so there's a lot of catching up to do. And exotheology I think really is, to be honest with you, I really think theology is going to be the future of theology. Um, if we do discover any kind of sentient life, or even non-intelligent life, even bacterial life, simple life, uh, microbial life, anywhere, that's going to present to us what I call a second genesis. It'll be the, it'll be a watershed moment for us, for humans, to understand that that we are not the only center. We are we are the center of anything. We are not the focus of um, um, the only focus of God's attention, for example. And that there are other points of creation that uh, are maybe just as viable and important as we are, and that will that will, that will represent a very very uh, I think a change probably on the scale of the Darwinian revolution. Didn't the Pope come out and say like aliens are are fine and vaccines are cool and aliens are fine? I don't know if it was at the same time, but you know the Pope seems to just say whatever. You know, like I swear. And then I thought I read something the other day about NASA, like, uh, bringing in a bunch of theologians to, like, prepare the public. 21 of them or something, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, actually, I actually did work on that program uh, a few years ago. I did work with um, the Center for Theological Inquiry, which is located in Princeton, New Jersey, and they had worked under a grant by NASA on the sociological implications of extraterrestrial contact or the implications of astrobiology and what, what astrobiology finds in the universe. And so I did work on that first for some time um, a few years ago with that group. Um, Andrew Davison is a British theologian and he's been involved as well. I don't know the others. But, um, but anyway, it's, it's um, the Pope, you know, the Pope says a lot of things <laughs> which I don't really give him much credibility for. But uh, I, ha- I, I do have relationships with some of the Vatican um, astronomers. And, you know, they're well aware of my work on this area. And um, we've had conversations about this kind of stuff already. Um, they have two observatories, one in Castle Gandolfo, which is in Italy, and one here at uh, Mount Graham, Arizona. 
Yeah, um, so we've, that's, we've had... that's kind of what I was going to ask you is, is the, I, I know there's some catching up to do, it seems, but they do have their own telescope. So, I mean, they can't be that far behind if they've got their own telescope. I think they have a bunch. Is it just not, I know, but is it just not getting down to the, the people? Like, well, they're, 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 they're priests slash scientists. Um, they're, they're all principally scientists, and they're also ordained priests. Most of them are Jesuits, and so their principal work is um, is studying astronomical objects. Um, Brother Guy Consolmagno is the is the current head of the organization, and he is a specialist in meteors. And you know they 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 um, have many projects they're working on. But I was I was kind of surprised to find that. Uh, when I was working on this uh, a number of years ago, I went to Rome and I talked to them extensively. They weren't working on anything of this nature. They weren't working on this area in theology whatsoever. And I was surprised. I thought they'd be ahead of me. Oh, well, yeah, they exactly, exactly. So, so they, what were they, I, they're I wanted, just what, looking looking for meteors and stuff. They weren't really. Well, it, publicly, publicly they are. I mean, I, I I'm aware that they have they produce papers. They do good scientific research. Their their the hope scopes are very impressive, and um, they do very important work. But as as far as the theology goes, I haven't seen a lot, at least presently speaking. Um, they've oh, written some yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, they've been interviewed. Uh, they've been interviewed quite a few times uh, publicly on these matters, but they haven't produced anything of a book length, for example, or even even an article. Not too much. Oh. Very little, actually, theologically. So I. The Catholic Church as an institution has not made any official proclamations or um, has given any definitive teaching this in this area. Um, I've talked to a few bishops about this, my own bishop actually as well, and uh, we've had some correspondence, and basically their view is um, this is an academic subject, basically. So this is not something the Church can judge on um, as far as a doctrinal matter. It's really something that the Academy has to look at and um, that's where it is. So the church is leaving this this um, this area of um, of research and inquiry to the academy, and that includes me as well. So um, that's where they're putting it. They want the specialists and the and the, the academic disciplines to look at the subject, theologians, scientists, people like me, and a few other people to um, to look at this um, carefully and systematically and come to come to some very careful conclusions of what it could mean for Catholicism if there was any kind of confirmation of um, extraterrestrial intelligence. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, wow. Is it true that one of their telescopes is named Lucifer? Uh, that's what I've read, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one's for looking at the sun. It's an acronym <laughs> yeah, exactly. for something. I can't recall what it is. Looking under... Uh... Light, light, comments. looking under something. Looking yeah. under comets. Yeah, it's an acronym case. for something, but uh, it's Look, interesting. Looking under comets in case I find insidious extraterrestrial, no, extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial robots. Resonance. It's all robots out there. It's all robots. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty fascinating. I mean, shouldn't you just assume that there's extraterrestrial life, even if it's only interdimensional or like, shouldn't you just. Not you personally, but you know, Catholicism as a strategy going forward, just assume that there is, you know, non-human entities. Well, we have, we have a very very long and well-documented tradition of non-human entities, and they're called angels. Well, so yeah, yeah, yeah. we we so. But let me just reframe this for you: angels and demons are demonstrative. Are in my opinion, based on the based on the information, based on the literature, which is extensive. Is are are absolutely real, absolutely real. So uh, we know these things exist 
Um, so what that means is what are angels? Angels, in my opinion, are extraterrestrial intelligences. They don't originate from this planet. So, and if you're looking at this as far as trying to categorize them, they are ETs in that sense. They're not biological ETs, but they are absolutely ETs. And they're, and they're incredibly ancient as far as we know. They're, they're, they're ages of extreme antiquity. We don't know how old they are. I, my personal opinion is they don't originate from this, where we are at all. They may have preceded the creation of the astrophysical universe. They could be that old. We don't know. God, as a divine being, um, as an infinite mind, as a benevolent uh, entity, is an extraterrestrial in that sense as well. He does, he's not human, that's for sure. And he doesn't originate from Earth either. So we were, we're already encountering, in that sense, um, extraterrestrial intelligence is powerful, formidable, demonstrable extraterrestrial intelligences in the form of what we see in our religious traditions. These are very real. Um, there's no question about that in my mind. But formulating um, the idea of what ETs are, we have to acknowledge that in, within our religious tradition, we do have already have we already have interactions with an extraterrestrial intelligence. And I think that that's an important distinction we need to make when we start thinking about this kind of stuff, because if that's true, if that's real, then it's not really a stretch in my mind to think about biological ETs in that sense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. Do you think it's biological ETs coming here? Do you think it's like some sort of drones that would come the distance or... Uh, well, I think the the ufological uh, literature, which spanned now since the 1940s that we have, indicates pretty substantially that there's a variety of types. Um, there are, no doubt, um, biological ETs that are not too different from us in that sense as far as their basic physical structure. And then there are, no doubt, uh, that there are others that are probably fully synthetic beings, um, and then as well as robotic beings. Um, there's a great variety of beings that have been encountered and that have been, um, it's been documented that, they, that they've interacted with us in some way. Um, so I do think that those are representations of, of what, uh, what's really out there. Um, and it's not too far, I think, from what we'll be able to accomplish and probably not too far in the future. You know, we're not right now, we're trying to create synthetic life. I don't think we're far away from that. Um, it may be a simple life, maybe, but, you know, maybe very, very simple synthetic life. But we're trying to do. We're trying to do this. Um, robotic life, robots, AI is is moving very very quickly. Within a hundred years, uh, I don't think it should be a surprise to anybody if we find you know very intelligent robots walking around and very and very normal looking synthetic humans walking around. Uh, I don't think that's really a stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I, I agree, and and um, it seems like. Oh, I fucking lost my train of thought there. Um, I was going to mention these things coming back to the 50s. What was I going to say? Oh, I I totally lost it. Um, It was about uh, different types of ETs and uh, kind of the whole, I mean, I was going to mention the whole disclosure, like this soft, this, you know, soft disclosure that's happened recently. Um, and it didn't seem to cause as much of an uproar as I expected from people, not us, but people that, that, um, you know, normal people that never really believed in UFOs, you know, I mean, did you think that, did you expect, uh, the reaction 
that happened from that? Re- re- referring to the gunship, the gun camera yeah, like photograph. This, this whole, like, basically, this whole disclose, this whole you, you know, government disclosure, media, the mainstream media, all of a sudden accepting the mystery. Really, is how I would like to summarize it. Yeah, I guess you could. I guess you can consider that a a, a, a good, a good or an important development as far as media attention goes. But what about the people? Um, yeah, and I and I think that. Uh, that may, I mean, it's hard to say. We're speculating here. I mean, it may or may not be deliberate. It may, I mean, as far as wanting to, uh, allowing for more, more media attention, because just given how our media is constructed, how it's constructed and how it's designed, uh, we have only a few, most of our media comes to us from a few, a very few people. Um, what is it, 80% of our media is controlled by seven companies or six companies. Uh, 80% of everything we see, read, and hear comes from six different companies, six different individuals who control six different companies, uh, media companies. So there's a, there's a stranglehold on what we're, know, we're, we're being told um, <clears throat> and what we're not being told. Well, so I would, I would imagine... Like what? Like, uh, public reaction? Yeah, yeah. Like, because it kind of was underwhelming, really. This whole f- the last few years about this, it's like, oh, UFOs exist. Oh, okay. But like to me, that it, we're ripe for more knowledge on this because nobody really give a shit. It seems like. Well, I think that the lack of maybe uh, the lack of public um, interest or surprise or shock or dismay, maybe what you want to call it at learning that we have uh, verifiable, you know, video from military units, <clears throat> which shows something unusual. Um, it, it's hard to say. People, um, I think, um, I think people are, number one, I think that some of those, those videos are, are very, very good, but there's always somebody to say, well, it was something else. It was something natural. And the other problem is that, you know, Luis Alonso, um, who was in running that program and who has commented, uh, you know, quite extensively on the, on these videos. Um, he, at the end of it, he says, listen, um, we don't know what they are, but out of, out of, you know, all these sightings, uh, only one could only one could be explained. Uh, I think it was 144 of them. Only one could be explained, but he said, you know, we don't know if it's something that belongs, that's, that's, uh, that's American. We don't know if it's, if it's Chinese or Russian. Um, we don't know. And it could also be something outside of that possibility. So he left it open. He left it open. Um, now I've heard him talk about this, but he, he never wants to say it. DT. He says it could be something that's not ours or not human. And the way he phrases this, he's, he phrases it very carefully. So he's not going to kind of get into trouble. With I think that lack of definitiveness is the problem really. Um, you know, basically the conclusion was at the end of this whole, that whole thing is that we just don't know what it is. And that's that kind of puts it back, puts it back where it was in the beginning. That's a good answer. That's a really good way to look at it. I, I never really thought about that. I'm so used to just thinking in broader terms, you know, that because for well, me, that's it's why, just, that's, yeah. yeah, that's why I'm saying it's, it's like, you know, it's a drip drip phenomena. You know, it's like, listen, uh, we have some very interesting footage you guys can see, and this is what's going on. Um, and, um, you can see it now. You can look at this and this is verifiable video. This is, you know, this is, um, a video that was produced by some pretty important people, and we're releasing this. It's it's the, it's the real stuff. It's not fake YouTube stuff. But we still don't know what it is. So we're back where we were again. So now we know a bit more, and the acceptance level is a little bit higher of this kind of stuff, and the perception of the government's acceptance level of this being real is a little higher, but we still don't know. So you see, it's like they ratchet up and they take it down a bit. 
So, you know, that's what, I think that's what's going on as far as if you want to look at this thing kind of psychologically or socially. I think that's the impact. The impact is more psychologically than anything else. It's just that we're, we're being acclimated. This is my view. This is my opinion, okay? So we're being acclimated slowly, carefully to the acceptance of this kind of thing, but without, without uh, solid evidence yet. Yet. And I think that's how it's going to progress for quite some time. Maybe, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, it'll keep going like this. Slowly, slowly, slowly. That's a long time. That's like it might be. It might be longer than that. It might be shorter than that. We don't know, but I think that there's no doubt a slow acclimation process taking place. In my in my view, in the meantime, they're getting funding and they can control the narrative and they can, you know, sort of let this the claim that they, they the claim that they right that the claim that uh, we don't know what this is is a bold faced lie. They know exactly what this is, but they like us to think that it's, they don't know what this is. That's where they want it to be. But of course, they've known what this is for quite a long time. So, someone who's anybody who's read this, the literature over the time knows the government knows quite a bit. But they like us to believe, at least for the time being, that they don't know. They they know what we know. That we know what they know, which of course isn't true. But that's what they're advancing. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's upsetting, it's dismaying, but that's where they, they're, they're putting it. And so there is a large segment of our population who accepts this, and then there are people who are in the know who don't accept this. Darren, did you want to expand on that? Or did you... No, I, I mean, uh, I'm just hoping it's in your lifetime, buddy. I'm I just still hoping forget. you I think get your disclosure. I think that makes so much sense hearing him say that now. It really, it really makes sense that it's just going to be this slow, long thing. But I mean, I, I kind of thought they were for a while there. I thought they were going to use Big D disclosure as a sort of a reason to get together as a one-world government and fight off a common enemy and uh, blah blah blah. But now I'm not sure. I think that you might be right in this drip, drip for decades. You know, until until well, it finally just at, becomes accepted. You know. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it from you know the '40s to the present time, we're talking about how long is that? About 80 years. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of movement on this idea. We've got a lot of great footage that's coming up with people being able to film and, and photograph stuff. Um, we've got better science, uh, which is we should use absolutely in researching and analyzing information. And uh, we can come to pretty fair conclusions, I think, about a lot of this stuff uh, if we do it independently. Um, but as far as I think the government officially, they're not going. They're not going to allow us to move forward anymore. We're not. They're not going to allow us to move forward on this because they know that socially, there could be a lot of problems. So um, that's that's where they're at, and I I kind of understand that. Like I said earlier, I kind I kind of understand why they would not want us to know yeah. too much about this. So, have you heard of? Uh, there's uh, we had a fellow on named Comatan a little while back, and he's uh, yep. he's got he's made a. Have you heard of astronism? As a, it's a new religion, yeah. I've had, yeah. Yeah. He is he is someone who does not accept the extraterrestrial hypothesis, however. Um, you know, he tends to think we're alone in the universe. Um so, yeah. wait, wait, what? <laughs> so what are we worshiping here? A comet? Stars. Just stars? <laughs> what? Well, as a religion. You know, it's just this. His, his, he's, he's um, promoting the idea of this kind of experience of 
experience in the cosmos as a religious experience. Like astrotheology um, type sort of thing? Astronism. Yeah, it's, he's, he's advancing the idea that you know, the, the true human experience, in his view, is that we experience the cosmos as a, this grand creation. And that in itself is a quasi-religious or religious experience. And, uh, and it's not necessarily theological, theistic in that sense. It could be. He's open to people interpreting this different ways. Um, but I think it's what, important, I think, anyway, for our discussion today is that he does not acknowledge, at least right, right now he doesn't, uh, the idea of um, other, other intelligences in the universe. Yeah, yeah that's a really good point. Did that come up in our chat with him? I don't remember. Yeah, we didn't really. Yeah, we did. just didn't it get did. into we it. Really? Didn't, I mean, because we kind of. I think we understood that at the time that this wasn't about ETs. It was just about the cosmos, and not about deifying some sort of race, extraterrestrial race. It was about the experience of us on Earth uh, experiencing the cosmos. Yeah, and he's not necessarily a theist either. I mean, he accommodates people who have theistic beliefs. But he's not necessarily a theist. And he has mentioned, he has said before, um, that he has attracted quite a large following of atheists into this, into, into, his, into his, um, his religion that he's trying to um, promote. So that's kind of important to think about. He's getting them, eh? He's getting the atheists. He's got a good conversion yeah. rate over there. Yeah, he says he's got a lot of uh, interest. I mean, I think it's like a top 20 religion. And there's 30,000 uh, different Christianities, so he's beating out like 29,000. No, they're all lumped into one. Oh, are they? Well, that doesn't seem very right. That don't seem right. But, you know, exotheology, in, in, in contrast to astronism, okay, it, it, basically what theology does, it, it examines the Christian record of claims of supernatural evidences in human history. Um, are they real? Are they bona fide? Are they verifiable? Okay, scientifically. Are the claims of Christianity um, verifiable as a phenomena? And I, 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 again, I, sometimes I see parallels between Christian claims and claims within the ufology, because sometimes people say, well, do you believe in UFOs? Do you believe in God? As if it's a matter of faith only, as if there's no evidence of anything. And I, I'm somebody who... Uh, who really thinks that if we're going to make extraordinary claims about things, whether they're religion or ufological, we should don't provide say it, evidence. Don't say it. Okay, good. Don't say extraordinary evidence. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that. So, <laughs> but we should have evidences which demonstrate that there's some veracity to what the claims are. And so, um, uh, exotheology acknowledges, okay, that Christianity means something very important. There is something real about it. There's something supernatural about it. There's something beyond us that it is. And so um, I'm somebody who accepts the Christian you know, message, okay? But the point is that even if you don't, there's something we have to explain claims and evidences of supernatural um, events on Earth and how they relate to the universe and what may be in the universe. Of course, what I'm saying, what I, what I say in the book is that uh, the Earth cannot be the only site for supernatural evidence or supernatural activity. There must be other sites for supernatural activity. If God created a vast cosmos, it's reflective of the vastness of his being or the vastness of his mind or the vastness of his grace or his creative power. So, you know, extra theology acknowledges that there's going, there are other 
sites of God's action and, and, and manifestations. And many of those are intelligences, biological and even non-biological. <clears throat> so it gets into, it gets into how we contend with that now from a human anthropomorphic perspective. How do we contend with, um, the idea of there being other beings, intelligent beings, the universe, and how does that impact how we understand our Christian beliefs? Uh, and what is Christianity in the future? What is religion in the future? Yeah, it's not just limited to Christianity, by the way. Um, that happens to be my tradition, but extra-theology isn't limited by Christianity. Uh, extra-theology is about everything that's out there. Earth is actually a very tiny piece of it, an uh, infinitesimal piece of it. There's a lot more going on out there than just us. So um, it's opening Christianity up to Christianity up to the possibility of other uh, divine actions, supernatural evidences in the universe. And we, I think theology needs to advance into this, into this area. And uh, if we do, you know, with our new um, space sciences and uh, telescopes do discern or find any kind of evidence of a technological civilization or any kind of evidence of biomarkers uh, indicating life intelligent or non-intelligent, it's going to be a big, big deal for um, Christianity and religion in general as institutions to to explain how this how this works. How does this fit in with what we've had so far? And that's an area of research that this book gets into. Where can people get the book? <laughs> um, it's on Amazon. Um, you can just look under Exotheology. It should come up from my name. Um, Dr. Joel Parkin, you can find it there. I also have it on my website, uh, exotheology.space, and you can get it discounted there, about $10 less than what's given at Amazon. What about uh, the next book you're working on? Um, there's two. There's two, actually. The, the one that I'm working on presently um, has to do with looking at um, ufology, actually. So this first book looks at um, the theological, the Christian theological tradition, and the notion of ETs, and how how we deal with that. This other, the second book deals with um, theology and ufology. So basically, in the first book, ETs are considered an academic subject, and how would that impact theology as an academic subject? This this one I'm working on presently is um, what in the ufological literature has theological or religious um, veracity and importance, and how does that apply to theology? So, for example, if somebody has a contact, they claim a contact with um, extraterrestrials in some way, and there's claims made about religious claims, for example, they make religious claims or theological claims um, that transcend Earth. How do we accommodate that theologically? If it we can, if it if, it's, if it has veracity, if it's believable, if it has, um, if it seems something that is important for theology to think about, I want to look at that. And there's a lot of that so, in the theological yeah, literature. Yeah, there's a lot of that. So does that get into like the Varelians and the uh, you know people that are no, going to be no. like the Pleiades and no. the Intergalactic Federation? I mean, all that stuff. I'm not interested in Earth accommodations of Earth earthly um, religious groups that try to accommodate the idea of ETs. No, that's but not they, what this but what is. If they, at. What if they got their message from ETs? Apparently. Well, it's a claim. It's a big, it's a big claim. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I could I could look at that. I could look at that, but um, I'm not convinced, at least right now, anyway, that those claims are are are, are, are important enough to look at as far as the academic subject. 
but so, yeah. I had to look at it. Yeah, I yeah. There's it, a lot. But, I mean, there's a lot. I think there's a lot of those groups when you really start digging into the all the you know. Yeah, but it's not just groups of individuals. So individuals make claims that the ETs told them something about God or religion about salvation, about what God's doing out there, what's happening out there. Is God active in the universe? Which I think He is. But if they're imparting information to humans, I like I like to know what that is, and I like to vet that carefully. Okay, according to what we think is verifiable put it through a vetting process to see how much of this is something we should really seriously consider um, for theology. Is it meaningful? Is it not meaningful? Would that include all those contact uh, downloads that people have that say, like, you got to look after the planet better and all those kind of things about taking care of Earth? Would that be included? Or I think... You, or that, was that... Yeah, I, it, no, that's, that's fine. I've, I've read quite a bit about that kind of thing. Um... <clears throat> My current view on that that kind of messaging is that it's it's just screen stuff. It doesn't mean anything. Um, there are usually it's a deception, basically. I think it's it's not, yeah, it's not a theo- it's not in a theological way, it's not in, in an external to earth uh, theological thing. No, yeah. But but because I but the thing is because I do think that um, UFOlogical information does have some some important stuff that's in it and there are verifiable contexts then we should seriously look at some of these inf- some of this information some of these messages and see what they mean if they mean anything um, we should try to vet them as much as possible I think probably for the whole of it a lot of it's garbage but but I but I do think there's probably a good amount of it that we should seriously that's worth looking at carefully in a very rigorous way um, and seeing what it means when we look at it from our theological tradition and see what it means for us. And so that hasn't, as far as I know, that hasn't been done before. So taking an academic look of theology and comparing that to the theological literature for its religious theological content is what that book's going to do. Right on. When are you going to come up with that? It's in a couple of years. I started it um, probably a couple of years. Well, let us know years. when you, well, let us know when it, when it does come out and we'll have you back on again. Sure. Yeah, I've got, um, well, there's, there's many books to go through. Um, um, Roswell has a very extensive library, which I've seen. Uh, it's not really indexed very well, but it's quite large. The Vatican has the largest, actually, collection of UFO logical literature. Um, so I do plan on, on getting access to that as well and, and going through what I can go through. There's a lot of stuff to go through. And what was the other book you're coming up with? Uh, the uh, look at that is basically a um, a second volume of this text that I that we're talking about today, and just you know further developing uh, exotheology academically. I was hoping you were going to say like a cookbook or something, just like throw us right <laughs> off guard. It's a keto cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any social media or yeah. anything like that where our listeners can follow you, follow you, or anything like follow your work? Um. No, not really. I mean, I've got an Instagram page that just, it's very, very simple. It just has a book on it, just for promotional purposes. Um, there's a website, exotheology.space, which has a book and a few other things on it. But nothing really extensive. No, I don't really do social media. Awesome. That's good news. Yeah, stay off there yeah. as much as you can. <laughs> Instagram's okay because I've heard, I've got it on good authority that there's no fake news on there. So. <laughs> So right. he's joking. It's yeah. safe. It's mm-hmm. safe. Over it's there. all curated for you. So stay away. 
Right on, buddy. Well, we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. It was fun talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this all was right, fun. Buddy. Thanks, Joel. You really, uh, you really just, you got her hammered down. You really did. Really, <laughs> you just, I was pretty impressed. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. I felt like, um, appreciate you guys. So just let me know when, uh, you know, if you, if it's going to be a quarter upon your website, um, you know, you know, you're going to edit it and put it on somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. We'll let it, you know, it's probably the end of next week, I think is when it's coming out. So. Okay. That yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. We'll get, I'll give you a, I'll send you an email. We'll let you know. If you know anybody else you'd like to do an interview with me, just let me know. Um, I'm trying to do a few of these to promote the book. So if you guys think of anybody who might be a happy, I'd like to have me on. You bet. Just uh, let me know. Oh yeah. yeah. Grab yeah. the yeah. Sure. it all yeah. over for sure. Yeah. 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 Okay, great. Okay, buddy. Okay, Joel, you have a good night. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah. Ciao. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. And that was our chat with Joel Parkin. What'd you think, buddy? I'm glad we had it. I'm glad we had him on. It was an interesting book. And I you know, made me think. And I just I haven't heard him on any other shows, so it's just not, uh, it's just what? not what I was expecting. No, I no, it was good. He knows his yeah. shit. I yeah. mean, he knows his shit. Oh, he reminds yeah. me of like a, a Grant, Grant Cameron or something yeah, like that. The amount of UFO stuff and the, and the Christianity stuff. Like, oh, yeah. It, just without skipping a beat. Well, this and this. It's like, whoa. Oh, yeah. See, I had no idea, right? I've just read the book and most of it. I didn't read the whole book. It was a little too long for me. With what we had, but I read most of it. This is good. I like it. It's another one. Yeah. I haven't heard of any place, so it's hopefully a fresh one for you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, go out and buy his book and uh, support the work. Support the good work over at exotheology.space. Grab his book. Maybe if you're real nice, he'll sign it for you if you ask him real nicely. And uh, yeah, big thanks to Joel for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks if you're one of the one or 2% of the folks out there that choose to support the value for value podcast. It is not a free show. It is a value for value show. So we put it out into the world for free in the hopes of the humans that do find it and do find some value from it, decide to throw a little value back our way. You can do just that over at grandamerica.ca slash support today. Sign up for monthly, make a one-time donation. Both those are fantastic. Super duper. You can head over to adultbrain.ca and grab yourself a couple audiobooks. You can head over to grimericaoutlaw.ca and check out our other podcast where we talk about other stuff other than UFOs and stuff. We talk about more uh, conspiracy stuff and evil motherfuckers and all that kind non, of stuff. Non-government. Government is an organized crime. Government is an stuff. organized crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Uh, and join the chat. It's grimerica.ca slash chat. Spam gram. Grimericamerica.com. I think that's about it. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Who's going to kill this sacred cow? You were never political anyhow. Since when did you start trusting in the government? Since when was it okay to ridicule and shame your neighbor? Your opinions have become... Your opinions have become as fickle as artificial flavors. What matters most to you? What the TV host told you to do? Or a moral compass that points true north or true? Who's gonna kill this sacred cow?
who's gonna kill this sacred cow? You were never religious anyhow. Since when did you kiss the ring on the hand of the Pope? Since when do we need pharmaceuticals to cope? Your soul has become, ever-loving soul has become, as brittle as communion wafers. What matters most to you? What the Holy Ghost told you to do? Or a moral compass that points true north, oh true. I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill this sacred cow. Bureaucrats think I'm non-essential anyhow. Since when has our culture become so lowbrow? It's all touchscreens, and nobody has any know-how. Your idea of fun, your idea of fun, is taking a thousand and one photos of your duck face. Matters most to you, what the celebrities post told you was cool, or a moral compass that points true north, oh true. I'm gonna kill. This sacred cow I'm gonna kill Your sacred cow I'm gonna kill Your sacred cow I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill Your sacred cow I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill your sacred cow I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill Your sacred cow I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill Your sacred cow I'm gonna kill 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 Your sacred cow I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill Your shit